and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Monday, May 14th, 2018. A very historic day, I would say, in American history. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got the news, of course, the embassy, U.S. embassy being moved to Jerusalem today. And, of course, the violence that was, is obviously anticipated taking place. Uh, I think it was a very courageous move. Promises made, promises kept. There it is. Uh, the, the prophetic, uh, uh, documentation that, that we've seen in the uh, the Bible and Zechariah, Jeremiah, and Isaiah, it coming to pass, and and there it is. Of course, on the 70th anniversary of the founding of the nation of Israel, and of course, people are saying, well, well, well why now and why this? Well, uh, because it's the right thing to do. And those people who speak out against it, I've got I've got a feeling that that um, uh, they're not understanding. I, I don't believe that they understand the, the full the, the full concept of this. So, bottom line, some some good things happening there. With it, of course, the the negative Palestinian Arab reaction, and of course the uh, the, the fact that uh, Israel and America stand alone in the, the policies. And I, I did catch uh, thanks to, to John telling me about this. Uh, Gerald Saloni, of course, from Trans Journal on. Uh, Alex Jones today talking about the the uh, uh, the, the preparation, saying prepare, you know, get prepared because things could go bad and sideways in kind of a very rapid uh, state. That and of course, speaking of Infowars, Infowars now their content as of May twenty fourth uh, this year, just ten days from now, won't be available on on Facebook at all. And uh, you're talking about close to. In, Various accounts, millions of millions of people are, are affected by this. Well, when we look at this, uh, when we look at what's taking place, it, it's it's all conservatives basically, under the auspices or under the the ostensible uh, uh, excuse of hate speech. We're seeing this take place. So here's the bottom line: we are now in a full blown war. Uh, we have been for some time, but now it's getting to the point where it's, it's obvious, it's overt. The left progressive lobotomized lunatics have pulled all, all the stops and they're censoring everyone who is, who has a conservative, populist, non-globalist ideology. And again, we've been expecting this and, and it's, and here it is. So we've got to, and as we've been preparing for, we've got to make sure that uh, we direct everyone, in our case, to HagmanReport.com, and we lose the social networking sites. We lose the Facebook. We lose Twitter. Or we don't use them, I should say, not lose them. In advance, you know, we harden up our presence, and if you want our content, then you go directly to our website. And until, of course, that becomes impossible, if that does happen. And I do sense that the, the war, how it's shaping up, the, when you start taking the soap boxes, meaning the ability to speak away from the American public in this case, I truly believe that the next stop is the ammo box. And I, I, I see this coming down 
not too far in the distant future unless there is some sort of method to avert that but I'm not seeing it now you might say in the case of Twitter there's gab.ai we're on gab.ai that's fine or at least I am but what about the social platforms itself and what about the people who don't have alternatives what about the people who don't have the websites that are large enough to really have the electronic footprint you start censoring people like uh, Infowars and Alex Jones with millions of subscribers that's an overshot across the bow that's an overt tactic that they don't they don't give a damn about about what you think that's overt and saying okay we're done we're done with with any pretext pretext of of uh you know covert uh you know hiding us behind the under the rock so if you are as infowars is and as we are if you are facing that that situation then you're part of the solution understand that you're over the the target and you're of course uh you're, you're of course part of it so uh take joy in that and take joy in the fact that you're making a difference we i think we all must do that i think we all have to sit back and say you know this is great because we are making a difference but but we also have to be prepared as well to face the fact that uh the censorship part of this this is what they want by the way this is what the lobotomized lunatic liberal democratic socialist left this is what they want they want this intolerance they they, they want to show you how intolerant they are they speak of tolerance but they're mega intolerant by the way I'm going to be writing about this as well I want to mention this care the Council on uh, Arab uh, American Islamic Relations I'm sorry the Council on American Islamic Relations the unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation trial uh, came out today and uh, came out today and uh, <laughs> thank you uh, they issued a press release Al Jazeera has done a documentary Al Jazeera and and people say hey because we might find a piece on RT Al Jazeera and I'll just, I'll just stop right there Al Jazeera has done a documentary 48 minutes long about the uh, <coughs> about the rise in anti-Muslim hate crimes it's called Islamophobia Islamophobia Inc this documentary is released today that the uh, press release from CARE was released today and of course uh, featured prominently in this in this uh, release is uh, Keith Ellison and Andre Carson two members of the House of Representatives two Muslim members and also members of the Democratic Caucus well alright the uh, the the aside from being short in terms of any kind of uh, statistical uh, validity it's high on optics it's on pejorative optics uh, incendiary optics now here's here's the thing it, it it references essentially a report done by by care april 24th is when the the care report was released anti-islam hate crimes and bias crimes risen threefold over the last two years they blame it squarely on president donald trump they blame it squarely on the muslim ban you know that ban and they also include in there some interesting statistics saying that about 15% or thereabouts 
uh, of the rise is attributed to the bias by the uh, Customs and Border Patrol, by a federal government. It, it's ridiculous. And, of course, the head of the uh, investigative unit of the Southern Poverty Law Center is uh, featured in there as well. So combine the combine all of this. If you are here's the thing: if you are pro Israel, pro embassy in Israel, if you are pro Donald Trump, if you are pro Constitution, if you're anti, if you well, I guess bottom line, if you are a true conservative, face Facebook prison. Twitter banishment and being the pariah across these social media platforms, across all social media platforms. So, the solution is for all of us in the independent media to get together and we fight back. And I've been saying this for weeks. Made a trip, or Tech and I made a trip to DC to do just that. We have been doing just that. You, you see the, 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 the left, if they cannot manage what you, or if they cannot confront the facts, your facts, if they cannot confront you and argue the facts, they will just shut you up, pull the plug, and rejoice in doing so while calling themselves so tolerant and saying you must be more tolerant. That's the hideous nature of this argument. That's the hideous nature of these people that we're dealing with. So, Two things, the, of course, the very joyous, uh, 70th anniversary of the birth of Israel. 70, of course, being a generation in biblical terms. And, um, the moving of the embassy to, to Israel, the undivided capital of Israel. And, of course, the censorship issue, along with the rise in pro-Islamic, anti-Christian, speech on the left by the left and censoring out the right. That's what we're dealing with today. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Bottom of the hour, Rob Pugh from uh, the uh, Wisconsin Christian News going to talk, yeah. talk about that. Kate Daly and uh, Pichaka. At the uh, Occupy conference that we did in Ohio just a few weeks ago, all there was one of these uh, magazines on each chair on Sunday morning when we came back and uh, this this young man has put together this Wisconsin Christian News, and this article, or I'm sorry, this publication is titled "Thought Police Shut Down Free Speech in Wisconsin." So he's talking about the censorship, but this is a publication that deals with the uh, Christian element specifically in the times that we live in, in the culture that we live in, and we're going to go through this uh, publication with him, and he'll tell us about how he got that started and what he envisions it to go, where he envisions it to go in the future, and then as you said. Kate Daly and Peter Chauka. You mentioned Israel. Yeah. Obviously, that's the most important story of today. We've seen the uh, what President Trump promised, what other pre- presidents before him, Bush and Clinton and Obama, have all promised. 23 years ago, Congress mandated that the United States move its uh, embassy to Jerusalem and recognize Jerusalem as the capital, but nobody has put that into action. No president has, uh, despite claiming that's what they were going to do, sat down and you know made the plans got it in motion and, and got it done and president trump just fulfilling another campaign promise was able to do it now the the significance of today is may 14th 1948 was the day israel was founded as a nation 70 years ago right 
So today, the generation 70-year anniversary of Israel becoming a nation again, now marked by the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital. And that was definitely done for uh, well, prophetic reasons. The timing of that was always recognized as the capital. It's just not in, right. It's, it's just finalized the name today, right? So uh, it's very significant. And you know the, the 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 what's going on on the the border there with the protesters in Gaza. Uh, you know, I see a lot of people being really harsh with with Israel, saying, "Oh, you know, they're just massacring innocent people, mowing them down with machine guns." Well. Interestingly enough, some on the in the alternative media yeah. are actually uh, pointing out the truth of this, where the mainstream media is just completely off the yeah. reservation. They're, they're calling this a vi- uh, protest, peaceful protesters yeah, carrying peaceful grenades protest. and, right. and right. you know IEDs and uh, bombs and, and lighting fires, trying to storm the border. And you see why there's 55 dead and 2,400 plus injured. I think if Israel was just slaughtering people, you'd see the 2,400 dead. From what I understand, the people who are storming the border, throwing the grenades and whatnot, they're trying to, to shoot them in the legs with whatever they're doing. That's why you have so many people who are injured. And also, many of those injuries are not from gunshots. They're from tear gas. They're from, uh, you know, self-inflicted injuries, from falling on the burning tires. And it is uh, unfortunate. MSNBC, CNN are attacking Israel, uh, you know, calling the bomb-throwing protesters peaceful. And they go up and put graphics on the screen like protester use, protesters are using burning kites and stones while Israel's using snipers and, and armored drones and just really making something out of it that it's not. And President Trump in the White House issued a statement today saying that it is not uh, the Israelis that are murdering people. It is Hamas who is responsible for the deaths as they are the ones who are sending these children and sending these people in to storm the border. And hey, Israel is a sovereign country. Israel warned these people that they can protest, but any attempt to storm the fence could relate or could be uh, retaliated with deadly force. And the people went ahead anyway. So there's both sides are, are to blame to some extent, I think. But when you look at the death count versus the amount, amount of injured, I don't think you can say that the, the Israelis are out there just to try to kill Palestinians. That's uh, very disingenuous. But Obviously, anytime Israel's brought up in the news, as Scripture said, it's a, a very contentious topic. It is uh, something that eventually concerns the whole world. And, you know, you're going to have the people who hate on Israel. You're going to have those people who uh, are standing up for the Palestinians. And vice versa. You're going to have people that defend Israel no matter what they do. But it's not black and white. There is some gray there, but, you know... This is what happens, and and you can't blame Israel for defending their borders with whatever force they decide to use. And from what I can tell, it's it's very unfortunate that so many people are dead and hurt. But it could be a lot worse. Looking at the in what forty thousand protesters that they're dealing with, and I mean that's that's a whole lot. So look for this to continue. Also look for the possibility of retaliatory terror attacks, not only in U.S. embassies across the Middle East and Africa and in Europe. But also, you have Al-Qaeda calling for, uh, you know, all the followers to commit jihad. You have uh, Erdogan, the president of Turkey now, saying that the United States has lost its mediator role because of this move from the with the embassy. Iran is asking all countries to globally resist the United States and Israel. And they, then also on Hagman Report, there's a report up there from earlier today on... 
President Trump, Netanyahu, and others working toward an actual two-state peace solution. That ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, what they're doing is they're going... There is no such thing. They're drafting up the deal, and they're going to give it to each leader. The leaders are going to decide if they like it, if they don't like it, and then they go from there. But they are in, in the process of putting those together, those packages together for Netanyahu and for the, the Palestinian leader. You, you know, a couple of things, okay? I just want to say this. I, I don't If I interrupt you, I'm sorry. No. You, you go back to 1948, May, May 14th, 1948, 70 years ago today. Uh, Israel declares itself a nation. Let me just, uh, uh, let me just look at my, my notes here. And, uh, David Ben-Gurion proclaims the state of Israel, which is immediately attacked by five Arab nations. Israel defeats this coalition of Arab Arab states. It actually gains more land, which um, than it has today. The um, and, and actually over half a million Arabs flee Israel. Now, if you go back just in time, just real quick to just walk through time a minute, because a lot of people are very confused over Israel and the fact that uh, it's a fact. By the way. That Joe, it is a fact that that Jerusalem has absolutely no significance to the Muslims. None. Okay. Only, only in the historical terms of it's an area that they conquered through uh, violence, through the sword or blood. Right. Right. No. Um, it's uh, Jerusalem. By the way, how many times is it mentioned? In the, is Jerusalem mentioned in the Quran? I don't know. Eh, zero. Okay. All right. By the way, Linda Sarsour, that uh, stellar, what a great example. Yeah, Linda Sarsour uh, had, uh, first of all, somebody by the name of uh, Charlie Kirk uh, sent out a Twitter announcement. Trump has been the greatest president in American history for the Jewish people. And then... Uh, Back and forth, Dana Lash, uh, Dana Lash said your BFF, or, uh, Dana, or, I'm sorry, Linda Sarsour came back and said, well, he, he sent an anti-Semitic evangelical, evangelical pastor to open the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. Who believes that Jews will go to hell? You have a very interesting definition of great. And there's some back and forth, back and forth, and then Dana Lash, Dana Lash says, you uh, to Linda Sarsour, your BFF with, uh, you are, BFF, best friends with Louis Farrakhan, who called Hitler a great man. Basically saying, you know, uh, you're an idiot. Very mic drop moment uh, there with Dana Lash. But, but uh, just some history real quick from uh, about Israel. Um, if you go back to 1877, it was Theodore Herzl who convenes the first Zionist Congress that designates Palestine uh, to designate Palestine as an uh, foreign appropriate homeland. You had World War One that took place. I'm just going to go through this real quick. Uh, between 14 and 18, <coughs> on the outside, dates. 1917, British Foreign Secretary Balfour declares British support for Jewish people, Palestinian homeland. Uh, 1920 and 1948, British rules Palestine by the Palestinian area by agreement with the League of Nations. Now, the League of Nations, just real quick, initially named uh, the League of, or the League of Victors, because its uh, its uh, founders were all part of the World War One alliance. 
that was a that was a front runner to, to NATO. Now failed after World War II as it had no teeth to enforce collective decisions. The League of Victors, League of Nations, failed. NATO was formed to counter the, the Soviets after World War II. That's how that was formed. NATO Article 5, attack a member of NATO, you attack, you attack one, you attack all. Kind of like it the way it should be in the alternative media. Uh, but, back down in certain instances, now you've got to understand that, I'm not going to get through the, go through the instances. Um, Ezekiel, by the way, rise in the latter times, an alliance of nations led by Gog, coalition of Magog and Islamic nations, West reaction, uh, have you come to take a spoil? Ezekiel 38.13. Now, going through this just very briefly as reference points. 1921, you had Reza Khan, that's K-A-R-K-H-A-N, military officer, begin ruling Persia, now known as Iran, uh, abolishes many Islamic customs. You, have, you saw this westernization of, of Iran back then as, uh, Persia. Also look up Uquare Conference, Established the modern borders of Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait by the British. You had the British carving out borders back then. 27 to 38 oil discovered in northern Iraq, Kuwait, Bahrain, and Saudi Arabia. Just very quickly, kind of leading up to this where we are today, and I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough time. I'm not. Um, 1928, the Muslim Brotherhood was established in Egypt as a movement of the Sunni Muslim, Muslims, uh, reform movement. And I just want to stop there because the the uh, uh, care or the uh, Islamophobia Inc. film promoted by Care talks about the Muslim Brotherhood being this political arm, a bona fide political arm, not affiliated with any kind of terrorism. Basically, I'm paraphrasing here. And Keith Ellison and Andre Carson, two of the House members, members of the House of Representatives, who are Muslim, of course, were uh, favorable to speaking favorable of the Muslim Brotherhood. So we have a real problem in this country with this Islamic infiltration. And I felt uh, slighted that we were not considered part of the Islamophobic network, this network of vast, heavily funded, well, I guess I guess that disqualifies us, uh, heavily funded uh, anti-Islamic uh, entities who tell the truth about Islam. They went after Spencer and Geller and uh, Frank Gaffney and John Guandalo. Bottom line here, as you, as you can walk through the dates, um, it was 1947, November 29, when the UN General Assembly voted to uh, partition the Palestinian territory there into Jewish and Arab states with Jerusalem as an international city. The Arabs refused. Of course, then we go to 1948, May 14th, and that's when Israel was established. Immediately, five nations declare war on Israel. But the, when you go back through biblical history, and that's what matters, you'll find that, that the Jews, this is the homeland of the Jews, and it's that God owns the title deed to this land. And to those people who don't believe that, well, pick up a Bible and, and a few history books, real history. How that affects today? Well, of course, the revisionist education, the indoctrination through uh, government schools show today that uh, have, well, have had this dramatic effect, adverse effect on, on the history of, of Israel. So I just want to say congratulations to President Donald Trump. 
we stand firmly behind Donald Trump, we stand firmly behind Israel, and we stand firmly behind the embassy being in Israel as the undivided capital of the nation of Israel. And God bless Israel. Genesis 12.3. Go to HagmanReport.com. There you see uh, Peter Chauka's latest piece and also the curated news that is up there. I just want to hit a few of these pieces real quick under the In Other News section. There's a really important piece, how the Obama loyal, how Obama loyalists conspired to undermine the Trump transition. That is a, a really good in-depth report from the Free Beacon. And if you have a moment, I would urge everybody to go and read that article. Also, there was a terrorist attack in France, Paris, France, yeah, Saturday evening when a Chechnyan-born attacker fatally stabbed a man and four other people leaving one dead on Saturday night. This is getting overlooked, but we're talking about a continuation of violence in Paris, in London, in Europe, by a number of migrants and, you know, homegrown gangsters, as they're saying, wielding knives and guns. And and we've seen, especially in London, this huge increase of stabbings where it has led the mayor, Sadiq Khan, to launch an anti-knife campaign or several anti-knife campaigns. But we have another man who is brought into Paris, has pledged allegiance to ISIS, and used a knife to go on a mass stabbing spree, leaving one dead. And this was really overlooked by everything that has been happening in Israel today. But it's important to know that these problems are not going to go away, that they're going to continue to get worse until they figure out how they're going to uh, you know, stop this invasion of the West by Middle Eastern migrants. Um, the press. I want to talk about this in the last moment. We have Michael Avenatti, the Stormy Daniels lawyer, is in some hot water. He went after a few reporters at the Daily Caller who were writing an article about him, about his shady past with uh, you know, bankruptcies and other weird deals that were ongoing. And he has uh, threatened to sue for defamation these two reporters. And I want to talk about that because it's come out that apparently when he, in January, he, he got some mysterious $8 million payment where he was able to pay off all his debts and has never disclosed who is paying him except for disclosing that it's not Stormy Daniels. So with the legal trouble he's in with you know putting out leaked information through the Treasury and now finding out this $8 million payment is... uh you know, the questions are rising. Where did this come from? It is something that we're going to continue to keep our eyes on because it's a very important story, and it talks to the fact that this Obama administration and deep state attack to undermine President Trump. We are up against the break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Rob Pugh, and he, again, he has this West uh, Wisconsin Christian News. He's going to be joining us, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to this Monday, May 14th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. We are going to be joined by debut guest Rob Pugh, who is, uh, what, he's the, the owner, the proprietor of Wisconsin Christian News. It's a very, uh, in-depth Christian publication, Wisconsin Christian News, that we became familiar with in, uh, Canton, Ohio, when we were there 
for the Occupy Conference, and we're going to talk to him about a number of things, including the invasion of Islam in this country and in the West, the const- uh, the continuation of legalized abortion, as well as several other things. He's got some events upcoming with Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, and we're going to talk about those as well and what people can do to get involved. Yeah, with Coach to listen and to that, Rob in these events, yeah. You, you know, one thing I want to mention in the last segment, we were talking about Michael Avenetti, the uh, lawyer that's loved by uh, all of the Democratic Socialists and the people, especially people from Canada. Uh, throw that out there, you know, and these people who, crazy eyes, crazy eyes people. Cra- you, know, you know who I'm talking about, the crazy eyes people. <laughs> yeah, they all seem to have crazy eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Adam Schiff. Anyway. Uh, it's interesting because he did 108 interviews on cable news outlets. 175 million worth of free advertising. Right. Well, two stations, MSNBC, CNN, did 108 interviews since March 7th of this year. Stormy Daniels. By the way, he was in bankruptcy, uh, uh, back, he was in, he was in bankruptcy. This according to Jim Hoft, if you go to Gateway Pundit. Jim Hoft, a good friend of uh, the program, good friend of ours, I believe. Um, and, and it's interesting because on Twitter, you, if you watch this unfold, it was, it was really great because Avenatti got real defensive. See, he did, as Joe said, he picked up eight, eight million, cool eight million in January. Um, gee, wonder who that's from and, uh, or yeah. wonder where that came from. But, but go back in, in cited by the Gateway Pundit, Jim Hoff, December 17th, court documents, uh, of Michael, Avenetti showed that he declared only 412,000 in total assets. His total liabilities were 17 million. He was filing bankruptcy. Suddenly, turn, turn this around in January, he uh, got a windfall of 8 million. We're not sure where that came from. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod, 485 or 4.85 million was paid to his law firm employees that he defrauded. This according to Jim Hoff, Gateway Pundit. Close to $2 million in back taxes for uh, payroll taxes on his law firm. And then nearly another million dollars to other creditors. I went through this on my morning show. Uh, but Robert Barnes, attorney at law, had, uh, posted this on Twitter. And it's interesting because Avenetti came out and basically said, okay, you want to play this way? You want to keep doing this? You want to mention this? Well, guess what? I got some surprises for you. So uh, we're still not sure, by the way, how Avenetti got Cohen's records. It's pretty interesting. And I think once the dots connect, I think, uh, uh, I think it's made pretty clear. That the, you know, crazy eyed, uh, the crazy eyes, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Look at their Twitter, look, look well, um, I gotta bite my lips, uh, bite my tongue, but look at the crazy eyes. Uh, they're, they're of course, you know, uh, the, the pro, the, 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 the ostensible pro free speech people. Oh, it's, you know, but the ostensible, uh, conservatives. True journalists, true the the true journalists out there, you know, you know the the real journalists, following Avenetti, uh, Avenetti, putting him up on a pedestal. Well, answer that, Batman. All right, we have our debut guest with us, Rob Pugh. Again, the website WisconsinChristianNews.com, and that is the publication Wisconsin Christian News. Rob, welcome to the Hagman Report. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Good to see you again. It's good to see you too. It's great to have you. It's good to be seen. Yeah. N- n- nice, uh, it was a pleasure, uh, seeing you in Ohio and you, you do great work. Show that paper again. Uh, yeah, this is the so paper I've got my up copy here. here. Wisconsin Christian News. This one is Thought Police shuts down free speech in, speech in Wisconsin. Ahead also, of the game. 
legalization of deviant behavior. And just uh, fantastic articles. Coach Dave writes uh, in in here, and, and several other people we're familiar with write in here. And I uh, guess there's a guy behind that. Yeah, okay. Ron, where do you want to start tonight? You got several events coming up with Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, uh, a good friend of this show, America's Coach, and uh, we got a lot of other subjects. So where do you want to start? Um. Well, you know, I really want to talk about the uh, the upcoming event in Ohio. We're only about six weeks away from that. Um. Uh, it's it's called All Hands on Deck, and we uh, are, are setting this up so that we can address what we have identified as the three main uh, major threats that are facing America right now, uh, which are uh, homosexuality, abortion, and Islam. So that's coming up uh, June 14th uh, through the 17th. And it's uh, you know, we're kind of staging that just east of uh, Columbus, Ohio. All right. So, so we want to make sure we get this. We want to punch this in. So June 14th or 17th, you said? Yeah, June 14th to 17th. And okay. you know, one of the one of the cool things that uh, Coach Dave does uh, that really nobody else in the country is doing is he not only gives you the information. This isn't just a conference, but he actually uh, will. He, he trains people and then takes them to the streets. So you actually have an opportunity to take the gospel. And we're going to be going to a local mosque, an abortion center, and the second largest uh, sodomite pride parade in the country. So, Fantastic. Which happens in Columbus, Ohio, uh, according to the, the notes I have here, which is pretty crazy to think about, you know, the, the uh, Rust Belt, the Bible Belt, Ohio. Hosting well, one of the, the second largest. You think that's reserved for your New York City and L.A., something like that, but not Columbus. Yeah, they're popping up everywhere. We were there last year. There were only 22 of us uh, that, that showed up, but we were from all over the country, and uh, it was good. We had some good conversations with people on the sidelines. You really can't communicate with people on the in the parade. Um, we're talking about a half million people. Um, yeah. And half a million people in the parade, including 40 Christian churches. That's that's unbelievable. And I know that uh, in events like this, people have been arrested and thrown out for trying to evangelize to, to the people to try to share literature. Wait, wait a second. Did I hear him right? 40 Christian churches celebrating the homosexual, participating and essentially celebrating the homosexual lifestyle. 40 Christian churches, right? You yeah, we, we had, we had uh, there were... I could show you a million photographs and videos and things that we took, but um, we could, we lost count after 40. Um, they have uh, floats in the parade. Wow. Jesus thinks you're fabulous. Uh, Christian, you know, Christian parents for for transgender kids. You name it, it was there. And uh, it, wow. was, uh, it was, and something that you might find interesting, the street they marched down is called Broad Street. So, <laughs> very interesting. Say the, the destruction. <laughs> yeah. So, where can people? Uh, where that can was people not where go? my mind was going there just for a minute. But <laughs> I know where your mind was going, uh, but I was thinking broad in terms of what what he said is what uh I right where my mind went as well. So, uh, where can people go to sign up to register to get involved in this? Whether they can show up or if they can help in other ways. What where do people go to register for this event? Fight back, uh, people. CoachDaveLive.com. Okay. Everything is consolidated right at CoachDaveLive.com. It's the best place to go. 
We have it on our website too, but uh, go to Coach Dave and then you can register, get everything set up. Okay. So again, in Ohio, June 14th through the 17th, uh, CoachDaveLive.com is where you go to register and they're going to be doing a number of things. Uh, again, uh, they, last year, they're going to a mosque, a street mosque, they're going to an abortion center and the second largest pride parade in the country. And this is an event where listeners can attend. You can get involved. You can become part of uh, the pushback against these things going on in our communities. And 40 Christian churches involved on the other side, that's unbelievable to me. And we see this as an epidemic that is continuing uh, to increase in our in our society. And that is the churches completely accepting all the, this uh, ungodliness and unrighteousness and just outright sin from pastors celebrated in their own communities and churches for having transgender operations to clergy who are homosexual and transgender being allowed to practice uh, faith, even become clergy members in some Christian churches, and on and on and on. The political correctness ideology that churches are adopting, and at the same time, they are foregoing the scriptures. They're pushing what God said completely out of the church to accept this, I don't even know what you call it, the satanic agenda. And it is destroying not only our society, but most importantly our church, because this is the last line of defense against this evil. And when they're promoting it and buying into it, instead of fighting against it, we have this huge divide in the church. How do you seeing this continue moving forward? Um, you know, I do, I do a national radio program uh, that uh, goes out to about a a million and a half listeners uh, twice a week. And I did a, uh, a report last week, and the latest statistics that I can find, 67% of professing Christians, and that's Catholic and Protestant, uh, the average is 67% now agree with um, same-sex so-called marriage. Yeah, and it's... Uh, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. 67%. What what do you advise believers to do, whether they're leaders in their church, if they still go to a church, when they're involved in situations where their whole, uh, you know, their church is is buying into these things? What do you think? It's best to stay in the church and try to work from the inside, to leave the church and create your own? And do you think that we are seeing uh, and will see a the rise of a real super church, if you will, those who are remaining faithful to the the Gospels, basically separating from this mainstream secular church that we're seeing uh, in this country today. Yeah, we're seeing a mass exodus, actually, uh, even in our small town here in Marshfield, Wisconsin. Um, people are leaving the churches uh, pretty much across the board. I Most of the people that read our newspaper no longer attend a church, and it's been that way. We've been publishing since April of 2000. It's been that way from the start. Uh, people that are actually interested in the truth and the meat and the, and the real deal, um, they don't go to church. Um, you're not going to find it in church. You know, a, friend, a pastor friend of mine told me, um, he said, you know, after 9-11, the churches were full because people were going there looking for God. But within a month, they were emptier than they were before 9-11 because they didn't find them there. So... And it's it's only gotten worse. Uh, political correctness, I don't know if it goes back to the Johnson Amendment or before that, but political correctness has destroyed American Christianity. Well, we need to fight back. We, uh, it, 
in whatever method, manner, means that we have at our disposal. You know, you, you've got how, how much of the what percentage of the United States population is really homosexual or transgendered or or queer or lesbian, whatever the word. What percentage? Three, four? Yeah, I've seen I've seen three. I've seen. Percent, but you know they're really, really indoctrinating the kids in the public schools, preschool age. You know you've seen the uh, the public library uh, transgender drag queen story time hours. Um, they're indoctrinating them as early as possible. So it's a matter of um, get your kids out of public school, get your kids out of out of the industry, you know the uh, institutional churches. And we gotta start getting, we gotta decide if we're serious about this because yeah. kids are, grandkids are at stake. There are no public schools, there are only government schools. And those government schools are indoctrination centers. Well, I'll tell you something. If, if you get to notice that a drag queen is gonna be talking to your grandchild or your child, it's your responsibility to drag your child from that, from that place. Absolutely. You know, either that or drag the, the drag queen out. He might get in trouble for that. Um, but, but, you know, we, we suffer as, as Coach Dave has said that, that we, we tolerate too, too doggone much as Christians and as conservatives. We have to put a stop to this right here and right now. What does your newspaper do to advance that war? You know, we, we can't sit back on, on our hands. There's just no way we can do this and expect to win. So we've well, got to be proactive. So how does your newspaper figure into this? And Wisconsin, uh, your website, of course, is wisconsinchristiannews.com. You know, right on the right on the front page of our paper at the very top, our you know our, our three main things are information, education, inspiration, and that's really where we're coming from. We want to get the information to the people, but in order to do that, we have to do an end round, a run, a run, an end run around the preachers, around the churches, because they won't talk to us. So we take this and we put it in the public square. We get information out to the people, and it's phenomenal, um, amazing testimonies. I mean, I my my phone is ringing constantly. You know, you wouldn't believe the number of emails I get from people every single day. Um, hungry, starving for truth, and they're not finding it in uh, the institutional churches. Well, you know, you're you're right, and we have to put a look. If you're stuck in one of the churches who, who tolerates the, the perversion of the gospel, perversion of, of moral behavior, and, and the, all perversions, then, then we have to get out. We have to, we have to do something. It's, it's love, love, love. You know, um, yeah. don't, don't, don't speak the truth because you're going to scare somebody away from Jesus. Um, hmm. It's unbelievable what, what, what they're falling for. Uh, we have, we have now, um, Interfaith dialogue going on between Christians and Muslims. What what does light have to do with darkness? You know, um, and like you, like Joe was showing on the front page of our newspaper, there were three events in Wisconsin that were canceled last month, um, exposing the truth about Islam and interfaith dialogue. They were canceled because the venues where they were to be held were ganged up on by Antifa and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, threats of violence, um, and I don't know if it was within hours or if it took a full day, but they were able to shut down all three of those events 
There was a fourth event that was supposed to be taking place in Bloomington, Ohio. Uh, John Guandolo was supposed to be one of the speakers, along with uh, Sharam Hadian. Um, and the organizers of the event actually canceled that one on their own because the Bloomington, Minnesota police, um, they were not sure that the police would protect them. So um, they're, 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 Minnesota has fallen to Islam, as has Michigan. We're kind of in the middle here in Wisconsin. So. Well, I, I think all the states are, are pretty much like that. And it's unfortunate because we, we had Brandon House on our program. Of course, at least three of the events you're referencing, I believe, uh, were were put together by Brandon House. But you're right. You know, it's interesting when we have people like John Guandalo, Chris Gabotz, um, Brandon House, others speak about about the, the the true nature of Islam. We get shouted down and branded hate hate speech and hate groups by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, by the ACLU, uh, it's just ridiculous how we are, we are, um, described, you know, and, and now, of course, we're being censored all across social networking, and, um, you know, it's okay, for example, um, it's okay to have the Catherine Griffin-esque stuff appear on Facebook. It's okay to have that, that stuff, of, uh, the, 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 yeah, how does that not really- we're losing your audio. I don't know if you have to come up a little bit on the mic, sir. Or not. Yeah, I'm just wondering how that, how things like that don't violate their community standards, like that, uh, you know, anything Christian. Well, yeah, it, it's their standards. I, I mean, the community standards is whatever they decide the community standards are, and, and of course, they're they're happy with the perversion, and um, which is a sick, sick uh, road. You know? I mean, if you're a terrorist, you can promote your. ISIS propaganda videos yep. on Facebook and Twitter, and they're not, you know, banning people. They're not suspending their accounts. They're not shutting them down or removing the posts. You can, uh, you know, promote abortions. You can, any perversion is is okay with them. But you get on there and you start telling the truth about the, uh, you know, corruption inside the political uh, elite. You start talking about the pedophilia scandals. You start pointing out and exposing their lies and propaganda. Then that's a no-no. And just now in Europe, what we see, the hate speech laws that have gone up. And we see this in Canada also. But oh, people yeah. are going to jail for saying, you know, a Muslim carries out a terror attack. You say, that guy's a Muslim and he just committed an act of terror. You can literally go to jail for hate speech. And when the truth is considered hate speech, which is legally, they're legally allowed to prosecute you criminally, we are in some dangerous ground. And, you know, they're going to try to do that here. They're going to try even with the First Amendment, to criminalize speech. And that's the direction they're moving in. Are you familiar with uh, Peter LaBarbera? No. I'm, no. I don't think so. That doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, Pete heads up the uh, Americans for Truth about homosexuality. Uh, it's a national organization. He was invited to Canada, this probably five, six years ago, um, to speak at a church in Canada about the... Uh, you know, exposing the, the truth about the homosexual agenda. Um, the minute he landed at the airport, and I believe this was in Edmonton, I might be incorrect on that, uh, the minute he landed at the airport, he was arrested for hate speech before he had even gotten his luggage <laughs> off the airplane. He hadn't spoken a word, uh, but they arrested him for hate speech. And this is five, six years ago already. So, um, and he he was coming to tell the truth about uh, homosexuality at the invitation of one of the local churches. So, um, 
you know, truth has uh, fallen in the streets. Again, exactly. it is. He, wait a second. He was... He was arrested for hate speech. Where, though? Uh, well, in, in Canada. Okay, in Canada. Okay, wow. The minute he stepped off the airplane, they knew he was coming. He hadn't even got his luggage yet. Okay. And, so. and that's a question I have. You know, if we were to hmm. go uh, find ourselves having to go to London or, uh, you know, even in Canada, we'll say Toronto, are we putting ourselves in legal jeopardy if they wanted to take our shows and say, hey, you know, you said these things, you were in America when you said them, but we have laws against those things here. Uh, we're taking you into custody. I wonder how that works, if they're able to do that. Even though, I mean, you're not a citizen of Canada, so I'm not sure, or Europe. But that's, from what I read into well, it, that's well, is very possible. I mean, Spencer and uh, Geller and Savage, they're all banned from the UK, so I, yeah. I, would, I would suspect that that, I don't know. Either way, well, you know we're we're uh, we're uh, amping things up, and we're uh, you know our our newspaper is actually national, and it was not originally my intention to be national, um, but I like I said I do a national radio program twice a week, and that has exposed us to people in pretty much every state. So we have subscribers to the newspaper in just about every state. Okay, so so let's talk about your program. Give a plug for your program, where they can hear it. Where people can hear it, how you know what times, and give us a rundown on your program. Um, it's a 15-minute commentary on Tuesdays at 3:15 Central Time and uh, Saturdays at 2:15 Central Time. It's on the VCY America Radio Network, and uh, probably the easiest way to find a station that's close to you is vcyamerica.org. Okay, all right. In your newspaper, which I believe that we are all going to have to go back to this kind of communication and I'm okay with that I'm a pencil and paper kind of guy I don't like to disturb the electrons okay so I'll go to I'll go to the ink and pen paper and and I like that and I'll take my message to the streets to hell with the internet to hell with Facebook to hell with Twitter and and if, if that's too strong for people well get over it but but I'm telling you I'm telling you what you've got the right idea right now because no one is stopping your printer printing presses from rolling and, and I would assume that that's a, it's kind of an expensive task, right? Um, that's another story in itself. Our prices to uh, print have risen 48% just in the last, just since November. Um, there's apparently a, all newsprint paper apparently now comes from Canada. Canada's <laughs> tariff on newsprint paper. And so our cost to print has raised, has risen by 48% just, just since last November. It's incredible. So, so, well. But we have all three. We have the printed newspaper, we have the website, we have the social media, but it's the printed newspaper that's out, out there in the public, um, giving away free on news racks that people pick up. In, uh, in big cities like Milwaukee, we're there and we, people have a choice between our paper and the gay and lesbian paper. Um, they have the choice. Uh, there's always extra gay lesbian papers. On right. Paper. And you can use that to wrap your, your rotten fish uh, up in. And... Uh, right, right. So, yeah. but they've got a ton of advertisers, whereas we don't have that kind of support. Uh, the other side is incredibly well funded and well supported. Well, it's, yeah. it's about time. You know what? And this is a message to the people out there. It's about time that, that, that people with money 
and uh, you know they're at the end of their lives. Perhaps you you, you got to be thinking about your your mortality, and in my view, anyway, and support endeavors such as the uh, Christian news and, and get behind these people. You're not going to take. You're not going to be. I've never seen a U-Haul beyond a hearse. Okay, being you know you're not going to take it with you. So put your money where your mouth is. If you if you say you're a Christian, you got a billion bucks in the bank or you know gazillion or whatever it might be. Uh, in my view, help use your funds, assets to assist getting the real Christian news out there. That, of course, Wisconsin Christian News uh, would be a, a great investment to support this this endeavor because we need to take back our schools, we need to take back our government agencies, we need to take back our streets. There's no way in the world that three percent or at max 4% of the population should tell 94 or 96 or 97% of the population what is you know, perverse and what's not. But they're recruiting them. They're recruiting I, I get that. I think, I think pretty much everybody now knows somebody that identifies as gay. And, uh, you know, I could probably say five years ago that was true. Now I probably know a dozen they're recruiting. It's growing. They're, they have They've confused the, the young people's minds in the media, public schools, media. You know. Rob, I, I hate to interrupt you midstream here. Uh, we, we had some issues with your audio here toward the end, but we're at the top of the hour network break. I gotta, we gotta cut you loose, but WisconsinChristianNews.com. Again, WisconsinChristianNews.com. And don't forget to go to Coach Dave Live. They're having an event, an upcoming street ministry event in Ohio, June 14th through the 17th. Go to CoachDaveAd.com or <laughs> CoachDaveAd, CoachDaveLive.com to register for this event. And they will be doing a number of things from, uh, having a street protest at a mosque and an abortion center and at the second largest pride parade, pride parade in the country in Columbus, Ohio. Again, the event June 14th through the 17th in Ohio. CoachDaveLive.com. Thank you so much, Rob, for coming on. We look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. We will be right back with host of the Kate Daly Show, Kate Daly, after this. Welcome back to Hour 2 on this Monday May 14th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. We're going to be joined by a host of the Kate Daly Show. Kate Daly, in just a few moments, want to hit this one piece of news that's kind of breaking. It just was published by The Hill uh, not too long ago. Mueller may have a conflict, and it leads directly to a Russian oligarch, maybe even violated the law. Special Counsel Robert Mueller has withstood relentless political attacks, many distorting his record of distinguished government service. That's according to the article. But there's one episode even Mueller's former law enforcement comrades and independent ethics have acknowledged raises acknowledged raises legitimate legal concerns and the possible conflict of interest in him, him overseeing the Russia election probe. In 2009, when Mueller ran the FBI, the Bureau asked Russian oligarch Olgeg Derpaska Derpaska to spend millions of his own dollars Oleg Derpaska Funding an FBI-supervised operation to rescue a retired FBI agent. 
Robert Livingston captured in Iran while working for the CIA in 2007. And they say, yes, this is the same Russian who has come up in the investigation who was recently sanctioned by the Trump administration. The FBI agents uh, courted Derpaska in 2009 in a series of secret hotel meetings in Paris, Vienna, Budapest, Hungary, and Washington. Agents persuaded the aluminum industry magnate to underwrite the mission. The Russian billionaire insisted the operation neither involve nor harm his homeland. We knew he was paying for his team helping us, and that probably ran into the millions a U.S. official involved in the operation confirmed. So, was it, it was not only Robert Mueller, it was also Andrew McCabe who played uh, a role in this uh, investigation as well as into the uh, Trump investigation. And is there a conflict of interest here? Did they violate the law? I'm not going to go through the whole report. It's rather long. You're going to have to continue to uh, read that report from Drudge on the Hill that goes through all the possible conflicts of interest and dealings with this Russian oligarch between him and Robert Mueller. And does that create a conflict of interest? It likely could. Yeah. Well, the the Mueller, Comey, Cohen... Uh, FISA, that, that whole coup, this whole thing is a coup. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'm not sure how this happened, but I got a copy of Ted Malik's book over the weekend, which isn't due out until tomorrow. And, uh, it's a fantastic book. It's an easy read. I read it in, I don't know, about four and a half hours. And it, it outlines pretty much everything everything by date, timeline, and such, and it chronicles this coup. And it's it's extremely interesting. So, now, let's fast forward to today real quick before, while we're waiting for Kate Daly, let, let us know when Kate's on so we don't want to inconvenience her. Oh, we, we have her? Okay. But I'll, I'll just say this real quick, uh, uh, and, and I'm with my apologies to Kate. When you look at this Abinetti story, you know, it's interesting that uh, the Daily Caller has reported on this. You know, you reach in time and time again into the well of hypocrisy, and you scoop out the muck of the mainstream, the mockingbird media, and, and there, there's this variety of vicious filth in 2018 alone. When it comes to hypocrisy, the left has this habit of one-upping uh, themselves in increasingly embarrassing ways. And such is the case this week, this week and last week of Stormy Daniels' lawyer. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Stormy Daniels, but, oh, no. um, when he, he believes that he was defamed by reporters at the Daily Caller, of course. We talked about this first hour. The, uh, Avenetti, the lawyer for, for Daniels, um, threatened to sue reporters at the Daily Caller News Foundation for writing about his legal and business history. So since when is this a crime? And you know what? This is, didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you a year ago? Didn't I tell you six months ago? This was going to be the weapon of choice, the weaponization of the court system. And here it is. Now it's on for full display for everyone to see. I just want to punch that in there before our just terrific guest, Kate Daly, comes, comes to join us. Kate is nationally recognized. She's a nationally recognized radio host. Uh, she is currently on Fox News affiliate KZNU, or as I like to say, Kiznu, uh, and, and listeners from around the world. They stream her daily three-hour political talk show. So this is hour number four for her. God bless her. Um, she's interviewed Dr. Ben Carson, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Mark Stein, 
uh, Sybil Edmonds, Giora Griffin. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on with the people that the, the luminaries that she's that she's interviewed. Uh, she is one of the most gracious hosts out there, but one of the most effective, in my view, on the conservative Christian right. And I, I would put aside any other broadcast to listen to Kate Daly. And with that, we have her with us. Very special, very generous gift of time, Kate Daly. Thank you for joining us back tonight. Oh, my gosh. And all that right back to you. Well, <laughs> Everything thanks. you were just saying, I'm like... That's how I feel about you guys. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. It's so great to be back, and and you're my favorite. This is just fun. I just love this, by the way. You know, it, it's you. Uh, and by the way, I hope you had a great Mother's Day. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, um, I did. Good. Um, you, you know, your uh, your radio show really separates, in my view, separates the. Um, I mean, it's just a fantastic platform. Um, if you don't mind, since our last conversation, uh, tell us what's happened. Uh, who, 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 who interviews stick out? Any interviews specifically stick out in your right, mind? Right. Oh gosh, we've done so many. Um, I know you have. You know what's great is, is I'm not owned by anybody. And that makes a big difference. It's like you guys, we're, we're not owned. Right. And uh, many shows out there are. And so even my representation on a Fox uh, News affiliate for six years, you know, um, People don't realize I'm not owned. I own myself. And uh, and what's fabulous about it is we have the freedom to tell the truth. And we can just say what we're really thinking. And hopefully it resonates with, with what people out there are thinking. And hopefully they're thinking the same things. Because it's getting lunatic out there. It's getting irrational. And it's so hard. You know, there are 50 headlines every day that I could do on the show. And each one of them could take an hour. And so we really try carefully to to kind of go through the interviews and kind of figure out what we're going to be talking about and what we're going to be focusing on. We try to go to principles a lot, just like you, because you have to get to the principle of it to understand what's really going on in America and stand for some truth here. And so all of you patriots out there listening, I so appreciate the fact that you're invested, that you want to, that, that, that you're listening, and that tells me that, that you're as excited about getting to the truth as I am. And just like the, the Hagmans, I just, I love their platform and I love what they do. And they need to be listened to all over America. And as far as interviews, man, we've done so many because we're constantly talking about everything from 5G coming in and the dangers to that. And, you know, it's huge, right? And then also the different theories behind what may be going on as far as, like, the difference uh, to the, um, you know, the, maybe the backdrop to the real Stormy Daniels story or or going through um, some of the things um, that uh, that are coming out that, that you think, you know, is Trump crazy like a fox? <laughs> and if he is, fantastic, you know? And so we're constantly trying to bring up lots of different theories and lots of different things so that we can get to what we feel is the truth. And I always go back to this. The best indicator of truth is that little inner voice as, as you pray about things and want to know. I always feel like we'll be guided toward the truth of this huge maze that we're in and this crazy world that we're in. It's the only thing that ever makes sense to me. And I use it a lot because uh, I have to, three hours a day of this. Can you imagine? And we're in Chicago, WCGO. We're all over the place, and we're growing like crazy, and we keep picking up new affiliates. And the only thing I can say is bring on the hate mail. I love it. It means people at least are thinking, hopefully. And uh, even if they address anger, I'm okay with that because I want to get to the truth. But uh, But we need more truth tellers. We need people like us that will get out and tell the truth. And I always say, too, that we need to invest more time, you know, into being a patriot. 
Have you been affected by the censorship, whether it be on Facebook, Twitter, or any social networking platform? Have you found that uh, you're being uh, banned or censored or put in timeouts? Or have you noticed anything in that respect, or even website traffic? Not, not really. You know, we've been so fortunate, and I'm always bracing myself for it, but we've been really fortunate in not having that happen. And I have like nine revolving co-hosts. Dr. Pesta comes on, Chris Ann Hall, the Constitutionalists, all kinds of people that are saying things that I know um, the left liberal lunatics out there are going to find offensive, and I don't really care. Either do they. But we haven't yet. And uh, and I'm okay with that as we go through this growth. Um, I'm actually excited that that hasn't, but I'm prepared for it when it does. And, yeah, I mean, I've been fired and then back on again. We went through that the whole time last time I was here. But, it, you know, I think... I think God works in mysterious ways, and I think you need to let him do what he's going to do, too, to help. And I also think that you have to just stand firm I, in, I in your bold attitude. I, I, I totally agree with you on, on that. And, you know, we're, we're constantly fighting the censorship battle. We're constantly fighting the people who claim tolerance but are intolerant of, of our speech or free speech. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. amazing to see. But we're going to get through this. Um, as you sit there uh, today... May 14, 2018. Kate, what do you feel is the most important story of the day or stories of the day? Hmm, that's such a great question. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, it's crazy. You know, I'm in Utah. <clears throat> Romney wouldn't come to my interview after he confirmed three times because he knew I was going to ask real questions and he avoids them. And let me tell you what politicians say, and I've interviewed many, many, many of them. And I hate interviewing them. <laughs> I tell you the truth, I hate my politician interviews. They're the worst. And some of them are good, like with Ron Paul. And actually, Ron Paul was great. And there's some really, there's some good ones along the way. But for the most part, um, they're 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 pretty awful. And this is what we get told. We get told this line of bunk that says, you know what? And forgive me for my voice. I've had laryngitis for like several weeks, and I apologize. I sound like a like a transgender. Anyway, I, I apologize. So um, we we have. We have these politicians that come to us, and they tell us, I have to work within the system. You don't understand. Kate, you're too black and white. You know, you you just need to be a politician to understand our plight. And this is the deal. And I talk about this a lot on the show, and I talked about it today, actually, on the 14th of May. And that is, we created all this. All this power that, that, that built that system, that corrupt system that all these policies, just grossly negligent politicians use, was built by us, the people either through our silence or whatever. And we built it, we can take it down, we can dismantle it, and we can stand up to truth within it. But we're going to get told again and again, it's like the excuse, the finger pointing, all of that kind of stuff that we see going on abroad in in government today. When politicians come back and and you say, why did you rob me of more liberty, even though you're wearing conservative clothing or very liberal clothing, why are you robbing me of my liberty? but telling me that you care about the Constitution and you care about me. And the, the line again again is, um, I have to work within this system. They're not willing to do anything about the system. They just come back and tell us they have to work within the system. So they had to do X bill, Z bill, and G bill, and they had to represent those and take some more of our liberty to get what they really want in the future. Doesn't that sound like a load of crapola? Because yeah. it is. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. So there's that issue, right? And And that's huge. And then uh, today I was talking about gay rights and all these groups that want to be honored. And I'm going, you know what? This We've passed the line. We've jumped the shark. If you remember the big old Fonzie episode. <laughs> we jumped the shark. 
we are in such weird territory now. It's beyond rights. It's beyond all of those things. And now it's political correctness, and it's giving groups rights over the rights of everybody else and calling it equality. Getting what you want by bullying to get it does not mean that that's equality. And these groups want to be honored. And it really got my goat today because <laughs> I was thinking the lunacy of it all, you know. Um, I have a value system. I also have a couple of gay friends. But I'm not changing my value system because they changed and now they're gay. I I feel like I have a value system. That's it. Deal with it. And we have great conversations because I'm just honest and say, I'm not going to change who I am. I have a value system. That value system doesn't coincide with your lifestyle. Love you anyway. Have a nice life and do what you do in the privacy of your own bedroom. I don't care. But don't don't politicize and don't bug me about it and don't bully me into not into having less rights than you. So that was on my mind today. And then, of course, all the stuff with Trump going on. Well, I think uh, Trump's doing a, a good job. Kate, Kate yeah. Uh, boy, I gotta ask you about, uh, about Donald Trump and, and the special counsel. Sure. But, sure. but before we go, go into that, I'm, I'm really trying to figure this out, um, and sure. doing research. What in the world changed over the last 10 years, five years? Ten years ago, we didn't see. Well, okay, go back to 1985. I know that's more longer than ten years, but 1985 when Rock Hudson died. I think it was around that time. You know, if you can think, if people can remember that that era, right. um, it, it just we didn't have this push for perversion that we have today. Yeah. We, you know, yeah. so okay, so. What what happened? Is it because we didn't stand up at the time when we should have and said, no, we're not going to put up with this? Is that what happened? Or mm-hmm. a little of it's our silence. I think I think our non-believing that it could actually go this far. Uh-huh. I think we always thought that we'd be protected a little bit from some of this, and that and that it wouldn't rain the day. You know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the thing of the day. When I saw this group locally um, within my state that wanted to be honored, and I said, honored for what? Honored for who you're sleeping with? Who cares? I don't. We don't have parades for homosexuality. I mean, heterosexuality. And it's like my co-host said today. You know, what if I wore a sign that said, or a, a shirt that said, um, "I'm promiscuous." You know, I need a parade, and I need balloons, and I need you to honor me. Um, we don't do that. What what we ne- really need to do is stand firm and be more vocal about it. Because I'm not being mean. It's just, and I'm not mean to my gay friends. I'm just more like, do what you do in the privacy of your bedroom. But somewhere along the line, they decided that politicizing it was going to be the way they had to go. And politicizing their own sexuality. And as they've done that, they've lobbied for things beyond the sexuality. And that is for rights and for a whole class of people. And we have, I think we're still in shock that it's actually gone that far. You know, marriage is a is a definition of a relationship. Marriage was never meant um, to include something it wasn't. Just like a chair is a chair and a table is a table, and neither one or the other, right? Right. Yet, yet this group sought to make it a civil right, which it wasn't, and then change the definition of it. Well, that's just trying to get what you want. That's not equality, and that has nothing to do with civil rights. But they've duped people into thinking it is. So somewhere along the line, too, we've been sort of, I think, duped a little bit into thinking that they were, we, everyone was so mean to them that now they get the bully forum to get things that aren't even have anything to do with a civil right. They don't even think they would know what a civil right was if it bit them in the rear end. They don't know. And so they're trying to define anything as a civil right. Well, we the people have a horrid understanding of our history and a horrible understanding of what civil rights are. And so if we don't understand our own constitution, if we don't understand these things, and it's been totally subverted by the education system, public education system, it's getting worse, 
then we have a whole a whole group of adults too that have a hard time identifying what a civil right is. So a group comes along on a bully pulpit and a 501c3 and they're getting cash and they're saying, hey, we get we're claiming everything is a civil right and we get it. Um, and if you don't like it, well then you're a Jason. You're just like a puppy kicker, you know. You 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 kick puppies. That's how awful you are. If you don't go along with our extreme version of civil rights, um, then now we we don't know what to do now because we don't know how to fight it because then we get labeled haters. So you're either a hater or you're completely tolerant, go along with it, love it, embrace it, and want to do it yourself. I don't know. But but that's that's the two extremes that we're sold now, and it's not fair because. I told my gay friend, you know what? You came out of the closet. That's fine for you. It's your life. I don't care what you do. But you know what? My values haven't changed, and they're not changing for you. So if you want to ask me about it, I will tell you how I feel about it, and you're just going to have to have hurt feelings. I'm sorry. And you know what? We have great conversations. I'm just really bold like that, and we all need to be more bold like that. My values are not going to change because you want me to accept that as something that is godly because it's not. And I'm sorry, that's just that's just the truth. That's how I feel. And when they knock it all down to the love wins, you know what? If love won, if love was all it was and nothing else mattered, we'd have one single commandment. Well, we don't. We have more than that because love is very important and love is crucial that we love one another despite all of these things, right? But there still are other commandments. There still are other things, a code that we live by. And that kind of violates my code. Sorry, but that's the truth. And so if, if, if people were respectful of people and we loved one another, they would love me having my own value system as much as I love them wanting to have their freedom. But that's not the way America works right now. Amen. And, and folks, our guest is Kate Daly. Kate, uh, katedalyradio.com. She's got a show from 2 to 5 Mountain Time. That's 4 to 7 Eastern Time, the real time. And you can follow her, Kate, on the blaze on Twitter. You know, follow her. Kate on the Blaze on Twitter. Please do that. Please. You're so generous and sweet, and you look sharp in your in your suit. I have to say, well, well, you look thanks. like a million bucks. <laughs> you do. You look so handsome. Look at you. Yeah, I, I mean, love it. Doggone it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank. Well, no, thank Just you. to pick up where, where you where, where you were talking about, Kate. I don't know if you remember, 15, 20 years ago, one of the sure. big liberal talking points, specifically about Christianity, was. You know, you can believe what you want to believe, but don't shove your religion down my throat. Right. Meaning, don't right. evangelize to me. Don't, you know, tell me about Jesus. On and on and on. And just in this short time, we have seen it uh, to where now California is banning the Bible because they it has oh, you know this yeah. con- conversion therapy ideas right. by preaching against it as a sin in Scripture. Well, what happened to those liberals who said, you know, just don't jam it down my throat, keep it to yourself? Now these same liberals. Uh, insists that we, people of faith and principle, uh, change our views based on their feelings and the complete opposite of what they thought 20 years ago. And as they're banning the conversion therapy in California, they're using their own form of conversion therapy against us here by trying to outlaw views, our religious views, our own opinions, uh, even the truth in some instances, and trying to you know list it as hate speech. I don't think they'll ever get that through in America, but they're doing it in Canada, they've done it in Europe, and we are seeing the results from it. But how does this play out? I mean, obviously, you're not going to change a Christian's mindset. You're not going to change a conservative's mindset. 
so they're just going to have to silence them. How do you see this playing out in the future? Do you think that we can restore uh, a more unified left and right to where we can at least have political discourse and debate? Or do you think it's just going to go the other way, where we're going to have the two sides dug in, no dialogue, no debate, they're going to hate each other, and one's going to have to ultimately win out? Oh, that's a tough one. That's like asking me about world peace. Um, <laughs> and by the way, you look pretty handsome in your suit as well. Oh, thank um, you. you know, I will say uh, that's a hard one because it, we have to be able to have a conversation where um, where we say what we want to say, kind of like what we're doing now, and not be afraid of hurting somebody's feelings or of, um, you know, as far as you're not trying to hurt people's feelings. It's just more or less how they take it. And so it's the ones that are in control of how they take it and not going to that level. We have so much victimhood going on. Everyone's a victim of something. And what's what's a problem is trying to find some sort of victimhood. We need to have more discourse about that. And we also need to be able to be bold in our convictions to stand up and, and say to people how we feel in a nice way. You can still say the truth and say how you feel without being mean about it or lacing it with expletives, right? You, you can do that. And so... We have to just stay strong in doing that. What is one vehicle that the left uses? Persistence. They use persistence. It's crazy and it's lunatic, but they do use it. So they use this persistence model. And we have to realize that we have a voice, too, in this and that we have to come right back at it. See, the left has been on the offense, and we've been sort of on the defense for 20 years. We have got to shift that around so it's a level playing field. Because we're always sort of running, and 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 the problem is, is they have the microphones, the media, the press, and and everything, and we're left over here. Um, we have to be able to reclaim some of that. We need more people doing what we're doing. We need more people standing up and just saying it, and not being afraid of political correctness. Um, you were asking me about interviews that I've done, and I did one. Sabelle Edmonds is one of my favorite. I think she speaks the the truth about the Middle East and what's going on, and and she had her reporter come on and talk about the Gulen Network the guy from Turkey that we're harboring here that is infiltrating our charter schools been and there. teaching our kids. Yeah, I, I, teaching I, our kids yep, these things. I've been right outside this compound. It's insane. Yeah, I'm sorry. And uh, we just have so many things infiltrating through persistence, and we have thought that we were pretty protected. So what have we done? Put our heads down, go to work, you know, because we're the capitalists that are actually making the money for the taxes that go to everyone else, right? And so we put our heads down, we worry about our families, we go to work. Well, along the way, their persistence has gotten us to where we are now. I played a clip today um, from the, um, uh, uh, what's his name, Larry Gratham? Uh, back in the 70s. Larry Gratham. Yes, he was a uh, FBI infiltrator. And I played this clip today to give people sort of this, see how long this has been going on. These people will not stop. And they were sitting around in a room. It was uh, the, the Weather Underground, and they were Bill Ayers. They were talking about how they were going to kill 25 million of us, eliminate us because we wouldn't go along with the the, the, the thinking of socialism um, and communism. These people have been so persistent in, in their methods, and they've spent a lot of time doing it. Well, we're going to have to spend a lot of time being patriots. And our founding fathers did, and those surrounding that time did, and they learned a valuable lesson that they had to put all they had into the game. They had to be persistent, and they had to do certain things that they weren't probably used to doing. We have to do the same. We're going to have to spend more time. Ask ourselves this. How much time did we spend in the last five years dedicating towards our own liberty? I'm going to guess it wasn't a lot. We probably spent a lot of time being frustrated by the headlines, listen to some talk radio, but we need to actually get out there a little bit more. Maybe write more op-eds to our op-ed papers if they'll print them, 
but I have to print them at some point if we just keep doing it. Persistence right. is key. But we have to be able to be more vocal, nice but vocal, and not stray from our principles, not cave. Just like the politicians do. You know, they go, I leaned across the aisle. Aren't I wonderful? No, you're not wonderful. Leaning across the aisle isn't wonderful. That means that you just forewent your principles. I don't want you to. I want you to fight for principles. We have to do that as conservatives, as a conservative base. We have to fight for Christianity, and we have to fight for principles. And if we stop doing that and we don't dedicate a lot of time to that right now, we're going to get run over because these people are crazy, and they have a lot of time to do it. Yeah, that's uh, very true. And uh, talking about the political divide between the left and the right, I want to ask you this. We see today in the conservative uh, movement that there seems to be a huge divide among those on the right. You have the people who can't yes. stand, don't like President Trump, then you have those who support the president and his agenda. And it seems like this is destroying or at least hindering the Republicans' ability, especially with control of the the, the Congress and the Senate and the presidency, not being able to really get anything What's done. What's wrong with people? I mean, it, it, Hillary Clinton's <laughs> not in there. Bernie Sanders is not in there. We have Donald Trump. That, that that's the for crying out loud. Right, right. Get see, behind the, the guy. You look at it's the like unity. they want to see him fail. Yeah. <laughs> why? What does that do for us as a people <laughs> if he fails? Pray for his success daily. Exactly. Get on there and, 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 and make sure you're supporting what he's trying to do. My gosh, look at everything he's done in office. What is he doing? He's trying to undo the, the horrible actions of the last eight years. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Turn off the late night TV show, guys, because they are, they are just pounding on him every single night and it's disgusting. Turn them off. Don't let them have your attention and time and ratings. Make sure that, that you're supporting him um, because we need him to succeed. We don't have very many chances at this. And if he's willing to get into the ring, and, you know, you have to ask yourself what billionaire would want what, he, what he's getting right now. It's, it's horrific, but he's trying to do some really wonderful things. I don't always agree with 100% of what he's doing or maybe understand it. That's more key. Maybe understand it. But I do think, you know, even with the, uh, with the um, Q, okay, what is Q doing? Q is writing out things that, that make people go and do their own research. What's the only way that you can get people to understand what's actually going on here in America, right? Change minds, change hearts. Get them to go and jump down and, and these rabbit holes and figure out what in the world is going on. I actually think it's a great service because I think that what's happening is people, if, if they were to come out and just say it, what, what's the, what's people's first line of defense? to go into defense mode. Oh, no, that can't be. Yeah, oh, no, no. Uh. because I know. Yeah, because you and I are truth tellers, right? What's the first thing people do? Oh, no, not that crazy, those crazy people. But if you ask questions and you make people want to know, they will go and they will discover these things for themselves. It's the only way you can truly change a heart and a mind. So when people say, who is Q? I don't care. I think it's great. I think it's great that people are asking more questions and they're saying, I have to go do some research. I got to go figure this out. That's fabulous. And really, it's the only way to change people. That's right. It's, it's actually yep. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and very effective. And I could care less, yeah. you know, who or, or so. And it's interesting too how once that really got started, and then you see this uh, this massive right. uh, uh, attempted takedown of, of everyone associated with that. And I think that that there's a lot to that. I, I mean, look, I, I don't know what's what's really going on there, but I do know that it's good to ask the questions, as you say. It's good to get yeah. people to follow down the rabbit hole. I think, I think it's great, and I think that uh, 
You know, have you seen anything in the last um, in the last year and a half that is um, that is really? Uh, I, I know I had just had to endure all those years of Obama doing radio, and I'm looking and I'm saying, are the things that are being undone? Is that for people's liberty? Yes. The answer to that is yes. So get behind him. Get behind him as much as you can. You might not always agree with him. You might not understand what he's doing, which is more key, I think, to really what's going on. Because I actually think he's much sharper than people give him credit for, obviously, on the left. But even even as conservatives, um, he's sharper than you realize. And I think that, that let him give him a little bit of time to do his thing and see what the fruit of that tree is. Because if you ever want to know the proof of something, see the fruit of that tree. What was the fruit of the tree of having Obama in office for eight years? We have less freedom. We We have less liberty by far. So that was the fruit of that. So is he restoring some of that? Are we getting a little bit of it back in pieces? He can't do it all. But you know what? We don't shine a light on Congress. Congress are the ones that could actually really change that. But we don't shine a light on that. Everyone shines a light on Trump as if he's the only one that can do it. He isn't. And if we do respect his role as president, then we have to know that Congress is a different role and Congress is the one responsible for liberating the people. They can get rid of a lot or defund a lot. And so the light should be shining on our congressmen. It's really easy for them to shine it on Trump. Trump can't do it all, nor would I want him to, because that wouldn't be constitutional. Then he becomes a dictator and a king. We don't want that either. But we do need to pray for him, get behind what he's doing, and then pray for Congress. They need your prayers because they're 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 literally I I trust and respect them less than rodent poop. Does that even tell you how I feel about Congress? That is how Congress is to me. And so they are so awful um and and selling us such a box of rocks in this nation. Pray for Congress to do the right thing and to make better decisions to defund things. We have the House and the Senate. What is the fruit of that for the last year? What has been the fruit of that labor? Not much. Well, they have to step up, step it up. We got the the tax bill, but at the same time, we got the omnibus spending bill. You know, putting us 1.3 trillion dollars <laughs> further in debt. Yeah. They didn't repeal Obamacare. They, uh, yeah. it's so frustrating. And I want to ask they you this: could be doing these things, they could be, they could be so effective, and they could be doing so much right now, but they're not. Trump can't do it all. He no, can he do can. the things he can do, but he can't do it all. And draining the swamp, we'd have to have Congress in there helping. Are they? Yeah. We no, need they're Congress. fighting. They are the swamp. And I want to ask you this. The 2018 midterm elections, many on the right, many who support President Trump understand that if you get a Democratic majority in both the House and Senate, that they're going to push for an impeachment. But the, the question has to be asked, is that enough to, uh, you know, vote for Republicans? I, I mean, are they deserving? I, I, I say yes because you want to keep President Trump in there, but... Uh, right. you know, who knows? And have they dug themselves Congress in a worse well, hole that, because they the have got would nothing vote done? for a Democratic Socialist. Yeah. The, the Democratic Party isn't I even a Democratic. Know. I mean, we're, we're talking full blown socialism here. So, yeah. This, but yeah. Uh, who wants to bring that on themselves? I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. But, but I will say this. Unless Congress and the Senate are willing to really step it up, then I'm going to say what's the difference? Because People say we got to keep the house. Well, what for? If they're not going to do what they say they're going to do, they've got to step it up. It doesn't matter if they're going to continue on this way and they're going to keep fighting, um, uh, you know, liberty because they truly are. You have to you have to understand what they're actually doing in there. Coming up with a lot of reasons and excuses, but I'm sorry, nothing nothing sells. And so they have to do that. But you know what? All these people leaving, isn't that curious? They're either being blackmailed because they've done not blackmailed because. They've done a lot of stuff, and they're being asked to leave, which I think is a real possibility. 
Because here's the deal. And I mean blackmailed in a good way. Like, we know what you did. Get out before we expose you. That kind of stuff. But here's the deal. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Republicans leaving. Why? Some of them said it's for safety. A lot of them say it's for retirement. They want to spend more time with family. The only problem is I don't believe that. People don't leave power. The, the, the allure and power of government is so overwhelming that we have a 96% retention rate for incumbents. What does that say? That, say that, they, that says that they love their power and they're not going anywhere once they get into office. Very few leave. So why are they leaving? Why do you guys think they're actually leaving? It's a good question. Well, uh, they, because they have to leave or else. There's a speculation um, that, you know, they're afraid that uh, there's going to be assassinations. I saw that uh, in a report a few weeks ago. Not. Some are moving to become right. governors and run for other positions. But I don't think, I think a lot of them see the writing on the wall as far as how divisive things are getting. They see the battles that are go- going on between the, the Trumps and the, the pro-Trump people and the uh, everybody else in this country. And maybe they just don't want a part of it. Most of them can go into the private sector and get a job paying, you know, five, ten times more than they were making or in Congress. Or combination thereof. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I don't know that there's any yeah. one thing. Yeah, well, I don't buy the reason, some of the reasons they're giving. Right. Um, yeah, they could be afraid of assassinations, but um, I don't know. Something seems really off to me, and I usually listen to that little voice that says, something's way off here. I, I, and, I, uh, I love that. I agree with you, because when you look at the who, at the, at the who is going, the, the the time that they've been in there and the timing of their departure. Right. Yeah, there's not, I mean, there's got to be something going on in the background. And I, I do feel that there is this um, pushback by the Donald Trump, uh, pro-Donald Trump, uh, uh, what would you call it, the the, the people, the, the White what? Hats. Yeah, the White Hats versus the Black Hats. The problem with conservatives is they're not understanding what that looks like. In conservatives... Um, I'm not a fan of McCain. I'm not a fan of Lindsey Graham. I'm not a fan of Paul Ryan. I'm not a fan of a lot of these people that have the name recognition. And I don't think they've been working for um, for our liberty uh, for a very, very long time in office. And even if they went in with those ideas, I don't think they're working for them. We need to make we need to see who the white hats are and the black hats in every government. In every single government, they have black hats and white hats. And it's sifting those people out and getting rid of them. And I, I think as conservatives, we're slow to catch on. Um, that, uh, And I'll, I'll say this. I'm not a fan of Romney, okay? I voted for him when he was against Obama. But I'm not a fan of Romney. The more I've done on his record, he's a globalist. He's an elitist. And I'm not, I'm not a fan. Well, he's running for senator in my state, and he won't show up, and he won't do interviews, and he won't, do, um, he won't be asked questions, and he's very belittle, belittling. And I, I, he even, he even confirmed three times the night before, before coming on my show and then didn't show. And here's the deal. You've got, they look nice. They look the part. That's great. He's even my own religion, which by the way, you know, people get upset when I don't vote my own religion. It's not about that. It's about weeding out these people that are more globalist and elitist. He promised Henry Kissinger he would never raise tariffs against China to get Harry Kissinger's endorsement. Why in the world would you want Harry Kissinger's endorsement unless you were a global elitist? You know, we have to be able to have enough knowledge and wisdom, wisdom is way more important, to weed these people out, to see who they're really about, and stop listening to their darn speeches. Their speeches say nothing. Look at their records. Look what they're about and say, are these people people that are truly there for the people? They're not. They have an agenda. They're making a lot of cash. They have a lot of agendas going on. We've got to weed them out. And conservatives, you know, like you had just said, 
um, conservatives, there's lots of bickering between the party. Yes, because there are black hats and white hats, and it's hard to figure out who's who. But we need to diligently do our homework and stop listening to speeches. When somebody says to me, but I like him, I don't know why, I just do. Well, then tell me, give me five reasons why you do. They can't articulate that. That tells me that they don't do any homework. And if people start do, don't doing their, if they're not doing their homework, then we have a bigger problem in America, don't we? And even the conservatives can't weed out the bad apples in our own base. That's right. Amen. That's right. Kate, I want to ask you this. Uh, we got about 20 minutes left, so we got plenty of time to, to cover a number yeah, of topics. Well, let me punch in and, and just make sure people know. Uh, Kate, uh, katedallyradio.com is our home base. Follow Kate on Twitter at Kate on the Blaze. katedallyradio.com, Kate on the Blaze on Twitter. Uh, her show airs 2 to 5, Mountain Time, 4 to 7, the real time. That's Eastern Time. Uh, Kate on the Blaze, of course, on Twitter. So tune in. Make sure you tune in. Go ahead, Joe, with your question. Yeah, a uh, to- a topic that is ongoing, such a, a thorn in, in the side of, of this country politically and the Trump administration and agenda is the Robert Mueller investigation. And we've seen it go so far off the rails, starting with the eruption, uh, uh, Russian meddling to election hacking is what they first claimed. Then yeah. they went to obstruction of justice. Now it's a Stormy Daniels <laughs> issue. <laughs> and now Mueller might have a conflict of interest. I don't even know what question to ask. What do you think about well, where the investigation's gone, and how do you think it's going to end up? It depends what theory you believe. So it depends if you believe that Mueller is actually working for Trump. Oh no! So there are two there are two things here though to look at that are very very interesting. One is Trump never criticizes him. He, he criticizes Comey, criticizes everybody else, but he doesn't criticize Mueller specifically. Is there a reason for that? I've thought about that. Reason A could be because he doesn't want you don't want to tick off the prosecutor with looking into your case. I get that, but B. Could he be um, working with Trump as they're trying to deflect sort of this story that they're going after this, but really they're taking out a lot of the um, a lot of the, the, the bad stuff going on, a lot of those uh, you know bad hats um, along the way? Because it'd be really hard to do in that position because you you um, as president, how do you get stuff done when all the judges you know a lot of the judges are bought and a lot of the a lot of the people within the, inside the system are bought, right? How do you do that? Well, so one theory is, is that Mueller is actually working with him because they did have a long conversation when Trump already knew that he'd exceeded his term limits. So then the official story of him hiring him on for that reason didn't fly with a lot of people because he had already reached his term limits and couldn't have been director of the FBI. So I know who Mueller is. You know who Mueller is, and I'm sure Trump does too. But, could he be blackmailed a little bit? You know, as far as like, uh, Mueller, um, helping with Uranium One deals and all the junk he did for the Clintons and being on board with Obama, everybody else, everybody knows exactly who this guy is. Maybe Trump says, Hey, I have this stuff on you. You're going to help me get rid of some of these people because the case itself, the fact that it's still going on. Okay. Is ridiculous. Everybody thinks so after a year and a half. They haven't come to any conclusions. They keep pulling at wild stuff. What did they do today? Didn't they even, uh, um, didn't he even name a company in Russia that didn't even do business at the time, um, in his, uh, official documents? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So I've been starting to think about some of the other theories going on and I'm entertaining them because of what we find now. We're not finding any sort of ending to this. Could Mueller, could this be the case? Well, I wouldn't put it past Trump 
to put he, I think he's smart and I think he it, I think he's so smart that people don't understand strategically what he could do in office. Um and so it could that be happening? I'm not going to write it off as no because it could be. Sure. We next a year from now we could be looking back and kind of laughing at this whole thing going, "Oh my gosh, he was smarter than people gave him credit for." The other scenario is that Mueller just keeps searching and searching and searching for something and he might go at this a whole nother year. He's not going to find anything. Can they invent something? Yes, but he's not going to find anything. So, um where, where are we where are we going to be 6 months from now? Um at the next Stormy Daniels story. Who cares about Stormy Daniels, you know? She she happened 10, 12 years ago. I could care less, but for some reason this story keeps keeps being in the limelight. There's a reason for that. There's got to be a reason for that. So I entertain other theories. I entertain other ideas because I, I, okay. And the reason I say Trump could be, you know, is it, well, is more brilliant than people give him credit for. Look what happened with North Korea. They were exchanging words six to eight months ago, right? We thought we'd be in a war with new, with, with North Korea for Pete Six. He was calling him stuff. North Korea was calling him stuff. Um, we call him Hu Flung Poo on the radio. I know it's terrible, but I always forget his name. Anyway. And so they were, they were exchanging barbs back and forth. And then all of a sudden, I think they're working in the background. I think Trump's already met with them, by the way. And I think they're doing this deal in the background. And now North Korea is happy as a clam and doing all these things that we thought he would never do. I think North Korea has been used as a puppet for a long time, to tell you the truth. If you want to go there, I think they're being used I, as a puppet. I, oh yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I believe, I, for them to exist, I, I believe, I believe North right. Korea is a, for, to, in the most simplistic of terms, perhaps a CIA outpost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. He wasn't even raised there. I mean, my gosh, uh, there's way more at stake here <laughs> with North Korea, but we pull him out whenever we wanted that, that fear factor. And, uh, you know, he was real happy for a, for an evil dictator. He's pretty happy at negotiating and giving back hostages and, and all of these things. Maybe he was freed. Um, from the banking cartel. You never know. You never know what's really going on. That's the crazy part of this. So that's why I'm entertaining other theories. Because as much as that was going on and people never thought we'd be here in, in six to eight months, you have to know that Trump is probably crazy like a fox and he can actually get some stuff done and maybe have to do it or without the public understanding or knowing what's going on because we're in such a deep level of corruption, uh, within the government. I don't know how you would get anything done being in his position and not knowing who to trust and not knowing what to do. So, uh, and how to get that rolling. So I gotta, I gotta give him some benefit of the doubt in some of this stuff. I, I will wrestle you, um, about okay, the, sure. uh, about the Mueller? Mueller white hat thing. Yeah. Okay. Now, only. Not no, white hat, black hat being forced to help. <laughs> okay. Difference. Well, that's okay. You, you know what? Yeah, yeah, wow. I, I, I really, I want that to be true, but I, I can't, know, I, know. I can't, I can't go there. Not at all. I'm thinking Mueller's history, you know, with the FBI and yeah. all the things he oversaw, the corruption, the, but, but you're right, removing though. the, but you know Islam what? stuff to, uh, you know, him going after the Trump associates, bankrupting people, hiring all these pro Clinton, Clinton donors mm-hmm. as, as lawyers, uh, and, and Trump has, you know, Gone after him on Twitter, calling it a witch hunt, calling his investigation bogus and well, a conspiracy. Well, okay. and but not him. Not him. No. him. Only no. the investigation. Okay. Which, you know what? I don't know. Hey, have you have you have you read Sidney Powell's book, License to Lie, by chance? I haven't. Okay. No. Okay. Um. It it just provides an interesting uh, 
I, I can almost see what you're saying there. Maybe if I squint. But I gotta tell you, uh, okay. you, you know, I'm looking at this. I, I, what I, what I think is going on here, and, and please, uh, I'm open for your, in fact, okay. sure. give, give me your assessment. Hey, I'm entertaining it. Um, yeah, you know, we've had some people on saying that, and I, I've really pushed back hard. And I thought, well, you know, the way, the way you said it, a black hat Mueller being flipped being by. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Having hmm. to. Okay. Because you know what? He was in a real cushy job. There was no reason for him to, to do this. Him and Trump had a long conversation. If Trump said to him, I have all this stuff on you, and you're so going down unless you help me with this, because so few people can do this and help me out, um, and I want to take down these people, but it's going to take some time. Um, if you, uh, if you really think about it, could Mueller have, 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 um, actually created something that could have, and I'm say I have to say created because it would have had to have been created because we know the Russian thing's a lie. So right. let's say he could have created something. He really could have. And did he? Not, not yet. They're, they're going after more, um, I think some things that, that, that could stand to go after, yet we're still here a year and a half later. And I do think that I'm open to the idea. We'll put it that way. Cause at first I was thinking, Oh, there's no way. How do you get somebody like Mueller to do that and to help you? Well, if you've got enough dirt on them, I think you could do it. And as much as somebody wouldn't want to go down, I mean, I think there's a lot there with the mule, with the uh, uranium one involvement. There's so much there that I think that somebody would be willing to play ball. So, if this is true, and we don't know, but I'm hoping that that would be the truth. Um, if this is true, it doesn't surprise me with the way he, Trump works. Look what happened with North Korea. All yeah. that negotiating was going on without anyone knowing. Okay, well, so, what about Jeff Sessions then, in, in the scheme of things, in Rosenstein? Oh, it's hard. Uh, I mean, so wouldn't it have to, if, I guess, I guess if one is true, the other does not necessarily have to be true. But why is Sessions yeah. still in there? Um, and Sessions could be somebody that's, uh, he's recused himself from stuff and he's just there in the background. I'm not sure. I have mixed feelings like you do on Mueller. I've got mixed feelings too on, on Sessions, on all of them. Is there a lot more moles than one? See, anytime the media will come out with a story saying there's a mole in the White House, then that means that it times that by a hundred because there's, there's so many moles in the White House right now. And there's so many people doing that bidding. So, um, it's kind of like a teenager telling you something, then you times it by four. <laughs> See, it's, it's the same thing, right? Okay. I have teenagers. That's how I know. Uh, so, so you have to know that that story is much bigger than, than what it appears to be. And so I think there are many, many people in there. And that's why I think that you'd almost have to go to somebody and say, I got all this dirt on you. You're going to work for me. We're going to make it appear like you're going after me, but I know you're not going after me. Like, we're going to make it look like that, though, and I'm going to use you, and you're going to help me take down some people. I could see it happening. If I go to the far corners of my mind, like you guys, I'm the same way, I could see. I could see it happening only because I know that Trump knows he has to work like this in order to get stuff done. Because there's so many people in there that are ready to, um, to, to not only do him harm, but also to, um, to, 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 you know, contradict anything that he would try to do that was good. So there's no other reason that Trump is president. When people say to me he's part of the, he's part of the group, I'm like, you know what? I don't think so at all. I think that he really does love America. 
He really does. I think he honestly has a love for America. He didn't have to do this as a billionaire. He had everything he ever wanted. There was absolutely no reason financially or anything else to get into this position other than to go in and maybe try to instill, get rid of some of the corruption and instill some things. And, you know, when when he mentioned back in 2013 that uh, what's his bucket, the AG from New York uh, that's just ousted, you know, the big pedo Schne- guy. Um, Schneiderman. There we go. Um, uh, he said he was the bad guy way back then. I think a lot of corrupt individuals. And uh, he might you might appear to be friends with some or smiling or laughing or, or whatever in pictures, just like I would be in a picture with Hatch, Senator Hatch. I don't like Hatch. I'm not a fan of Hatch, just like I'm not a fan of Feinstein. Would I be in a picture smiling? Yes, but people would know how I felt. And I think that when he was ousting names even long ago, I think he sincerely just wanted to get rid of some of these bad actors, uh, bad bad folks. Um, so you have to almost entertain some other ideas about what's going on with Trump because, he, after all, he wrote the book Art of the Deal. That should tell everybody that he thinks in different terms when getting down to a deal and negotiating and, and trying to figure out how to get rid of people or how to – because he, he's also why, – why is Twitter so popular with him? Because he knows he's working against a media that will take every word he says. Thank God we have Twitter <laughs> because otherwise we would never know what was going on. Because we have to understand from him how he's feeling about things because the media changes everything he's ever thought about. So we, True. you have to think in terms of how Trump would think and what he would do when he got in there. If you got into a position and everyone around you was a bad hat, what would you do? What would you do to get rid of them knowing that they own everything? They own the judges. They own the attorneys. They own the FBI. They own the CIA. They own it all. They own the media. How would you go about it? You'd have to be so artful and skillful to do it. Uh-huh. Just saying that, Good hey, it's point. a possibility. It, it, It'd be really tough. Wow. Yeah. Good point. I. Wow. Man. What would you do if you walked yeah. into a corporation and everybody was working against you to yeah. do the right thing? And the, the, that's and you the, wouldn't know where to start. And and there it is. Yeah. So so you you would obviously you would have to. Um, you, you, artful is is a good word. Um, <laughs> That's why we must. I think we have to almost entertain some of these things just to just to think process them out a little bit, just to see if they're possible. Well, I don't know if I actually believe it, but it's possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I suppose when you, when you put it that way, and you and you the the way you structured that, I, I suppose that sounds more reasonable than than saying, well, this was the plan all along. Um, yeah. You know, from from the very beginning, I, I believe from the very beginning they wanted they they didn't expect Donald Trump to win, of course. And then when he did, they they of course went. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't think that was Comey's intent uh, right. for Mueller to you know to put. Uh, so I, I think that perhaps it, Donald Trump may could very well have exploited the situation well, to his benefit. And I also think Trump, when he got in, I think he thought he was going to be everyone's hero right off the bat. I think he thought he was going to get a lot of pats on the back for wanting the right thing, wanting the right thing. Then he realized, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? The media is against me. They're turning every American against me. They're trying to. Most thinking people are not going to be against him, but they were trying to. And he faced such a barrage. Look at the treatment of Melania. It's horrid. It's horrid. Um, it's horrible what they're doing to her. And so I think that once there, there was that realization like, oh, my gosh, I thought I would be everybody's hero because I'm, a, I'm an American and I thought that I, w- I would be able to get in and do some things knowing that everything's against you. Everyone's working against you, and you're even having your meals made by 
the, the chef you've hired forever because you're afraid someone's going to spike your food. Right. I mean, the mm. guy, what would you do in this case? Man, I'll tell so, you what, you sleep with one eye open and, and make sure you yeah. have the, the yeah, oh, I, I get terrific. that. And speaking of Melania, we, we prayers for her. She had underwent surgery yeah. today, Walter Reed, for kidney issues. Uh, yeah, benign kid, kidney issues. Um, yeah, I wish well. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, why haven't, why haven't we seen arrests yet? At least arrests at the Absolutely, level, yeah. you know, where we're. Okay. Yeah. Good question. But, Look how long they take. Look how long they take to do a drug deal to, to get somebody incarcerated. They're always going after the bigger fish, bigger fish, bigger fish. It takes a long time, right? It'd be right. really easy to go and get whoever you could round up instantly and then, and then say to everybody, look at all these arrests we're doing. But when they go after, they go after the drug dealer from on high, right? They always try to get that guy. Well, there's a reason and I think it does take time and I think that we need to be very aware that it takes a lot of time because of the very thing that I just said and that is when judges are bought, when prosecutors are bought, when FBI and CIA can do whatever the hell they want to do, when there's no policing of either agency, and when I think both of them can be corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. They have white hats in there, but for the most part, the stuff that they do, it's, it's extremely corrupt. It really is. And if you really look at the history of the CIA, you'll find that out. Everything that they've been up to since 1940s has been pretty corrupt. Um, so, or not really at the benefit of, of the people, more than the benefit of a, of a government trying to gain something. And so, yep. so if you're going to take that down, how do you do so when the judges are bought and the courts are bought and the and prosecutors are bought? If you even if you do the arrest, they're going to get off free, right? Because you don't have enough on them. Because these judges are going to do what they're going to do. I learned a lot going through the whole Bundy case and and with the um, the way that the judges were bought and prosecution, the federal prosecution. It was horrid to have to watch this poor family and the Hammonds really try to to come up with something, you know, out of this. I'm so glad that they actually uh, did and that whistleblowers came out to to tell the truth. But without that, we would have been sunk. See, now you have to go to a bigger level. How do you get somebody like Hillary and Obama and all of these people, how do you get these arrests when everybody's bought in the system that they're going to be tried in? So yep. it's a long, calculated process here, and that's why I'm willing to give it a lot of time because we have to realize how big that would be. It's huge. You're going after the biggest fish ever? I mean, my gosh, Hillary has a has a Clinton crime list this long. I mean, come on. We, I mean, that has got to take some time to do that. And as as impatient as I am, as I know I am, because I am, I, I even me, I have to say, you know what? This is going to take a little bit, and it's going to take a little bit to have to make sure that it sticks and that it's legal and that you can penetrate the system enough to have a legal system that's actually going to work and go and go with the truth rather than being bought. So. Kate Daly, you give us hope. Uh, Kate Daly from KateDalyRadio.com. Well, you give me hope, Agmans. I well, love you guys. I'll, I'll you guys you. are fabulous. Uh, we're at the. I can't believe how quickly the time's gone. We're at the end of the. Are we really done? Yeah, uh, I can't I believe it. An hour? <laughs> I can't believe it. And, and, and you you're, you're you a trooper. All... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, God bless you. Thanks so much for being so gracious with your time. And we know that it's, it's an imposition upon you and your family. But, uh, uh, God bless your husband, your, your children. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. All right. Thank you. God bless you as well. Thank you so much. Folks, network break, uh, after which we're going to be talking with Peter Chauka. Uh, that was Kate Daly. Kate, katedalyradio.com, um, at Kate on the Blaze. That's at Kate on the Blaze on Twitter. Please follow her on Twitter. 
Seriously. She's got a lot of good stuff there. Her show airs 2 to 5 Mountain, 4 to 7 Eastern. Kate on the Blaze on Twitter, katedallyradio.com. Folks, we're right back with Peter Chalka. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. Very interesting uh, show so far. You know, historic times. Historic times. Israel. Well, the, the embassy being moved to Jerusalem. How's that? Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, Arafat. Oh, wherever you might be. Well, spank my hide and call me Sally. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, I got to tell you, a very historic time, very exciting time to be alive. You're looking at a lot of things coming together, really a biblical prophecy. And does this not, and I'm tossing this out to the people who don't believe in Christianity, who don't believe in the Bible, to those people who are listening to this show who don't believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, or inerrancy, is that, is that the right word? Who don't believe in, in, in the Bible, um, the accuracy of the Bible or the um, divine divinely, divine inspiration of the Bible. I'm asking you this. Aren't current events validating what's in the Bible? Just tossing that out there. And one more thing I'll toss out there. Can you, can you look at the current events, the events of today, as a non-believer uh, and, and have anything make sense? Of course not. But when you look at it through the prism of biblical prophecy, of the, the prism of, of our belief system, I think things do make sense. That's just me, and, and I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm just saying maybe you should take a different look at it. Uh, so I'm suggesting this to you. Much like Kate and us, we had a discussion about Mueller. She wasn't asking us to believe it. She was asking us to look at it. Okay? Same thing. Very stimulating. And, you know, if we have two people, three people in the room, and there's only one course of thought in that room, then only one person is thinking. So, some very interesting times in which we live. Um, again, uh, say, your, say a prayer for Melania Trump, who underwent uh, kidney surgery. And um, hopefully we wish her the best. It's benign, and she's going to be back on the trail again. The... Um, uh, my show this morning, I did talk about uh, a number of things, and, and I would urge people, to, if you don't mind, go ahead and, if, you, if you haven't listened to Doug Hagmarino's show, I ask that you listen to it this morning. Um, because I, I started out at Jerusalem and end up with Avenetti. So, and end up at, uh, kind of cover all the ground in between. Or, even better, if you want to go back to Friday's show because I get into some things on Friday, but last Friday. But that said, um, you know, uh, thank you for listening. A couple of things taking place right now. Uh, pay attention to this. Laura Ingram, and, and this is uh, uh, Christina, Christina Layla on uh, the Gateway Pundit. Laura Ingram is warning Donald Trump that the rhinos and the Democrats are working on a mass amnesty in the House through a, quote, discharge petition supported by Speaker Paul Ryan. And I think this is something we have to really pay close attention to. All right? So, that said, just want to let you know that. Also, an announcement. If you go to HagmanReport.com on the right-hand side, there is a link to the Red Pill Expo. That's next month. 
and I would urge everyone to uh, to attend. And if you can't attend the Red Pill Expo, then certainly live stream it. Fifteen percent off both. That's the uh, attendance and live stream by using the code word Hagman. Uh, I, I'd like to be there. We'd like to be there. I don't know if that's going to be the case. It's not on the website yet. RedPillExpo.org. Oh, the, it's not uh, on the website yet. Okay. Not yet Red Pill Expo. RedPillExpo.org. Code word Hagman. Okay. Also, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure. I guess I can announce this right now. Um, I'm going to be on the Ir- Irvin Baxter show in Dallas, uh, beginning of J- June. Um, that's all I can say right now. Um, I'm scheduled for two broadcasts down there in Dallas. I don't care to travel, but um, that's quite an opportunity, Irvin Baxter. And I'm scheduled there for the beginning of June, I believe. And then, of course, we have on the website now, we, we do have the link to the Branson, Missouri. I'll be in Branson, Missouri. Uh, for the True Legends Conference in September. It's never too early to plan for that. And let me remind you that if you're going to go, hotel rooms are, are filling up quickly, as are registra- registrations. So that's a, an amazing conference. So True Legends on the right-hand side of our of our uh, site, hagmanreport.com. Please do us a favor. Do us a solid here, will you? Follow the Hagman Report, the flagship show, the Hagman Report, on BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our various feeds on social networking for whatever good that'll do, forever, how long that'll do. We know we're going to be censored. We know that the war is on. But at least we can go out in a blaze of glory if that happens, or in a blaze. It doesn't matter. Um, we are going to give the people what for. That's right. So, those things. Peter Barry Chauka is a good friend of the program. He writes for our website, The Hagman Report, in American Thinker. He is a fan favorite. He's He and his two cats have developed a, a following that's uh, unprecedented. Um, and also, he's got a Twitter account, at P. Chauka. Very entertaining, very informative Twitter account. Pete Schalke. I would urge everyone to follow him on Twitter. And he's got a pretty special relationship with Fox News, Sean Hannity, and others at Fox News. He is our gate into Fox News, into Sean Hannity, in one, in many respects. He knows what's going on behind the scenes. Trust me when I tell you that he only tells you one-tenth of one percent of what he can tell you. And what's really taking place is... Um, Pretty interesting in in this in the whole scheme of things. With that, Peter Barry Chauka, we missed you last week. We're glad you're back, Peter. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Doug. It's great to see you again tonight. And hello to Joe and John and Eric. And yes, I, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to join you last Monday, May seventh. I was armed for bear that night, but that morning I experienced an unexpected, transient, adverse medical event, which uh, laid me low for the next two days, and I'm still not fully recovered, but I'm certainly recovered enough to be on tonight and to do a little writing, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but... Well, uh, don't go too far on this, because I, I didn't, we did not tell our audience what happened. 
Uh, we did that deliberately out of respect for your privacy. But I was very concerned, folks. I spoke with Peter by phone on Thursday. I gave him a couple, yeah, because we were going to bring him on on Thursday well, afternoon. Possibly, we were, I was going to I was going to offer him that. Yeah, and I and I heard I, in our conversation. I'm thinking, man, uh, there's you know, I'm surprised he's even upright and answering the phone. So <laughs> I want everyone out there to pray for the health of, of, of Peter Barry Chalkup and and uh, because yeah, you suffered a, a transient situation on on monday or last right week. and I, i'm not trying to be mysterious about what what i encountered but you know i've already given up my confidentiality because i've i've self-identified as having had a medical issue which is chronic in nature so from time to time it occurs uh but it is important i think for all of us to be concerned about medical privacy so i'll just leave it at that but but speaking of the prayer um aspect uh Immediately on the YouTube chat on Monday night when it was announced that I wouldn't be there, a few people said they were praying for me. And uh, then I started getting direct messages on Twitter asking me what happened, and I try to answer all direct messages. So I mentioned that I had a health issue. And uh, really, over the next days, there, there were many, many direct messages to me, people saying they were praying for me. And then eventually I accessed the... Uh, Twitter, uh, not impressions, but whatever it's called on Twitter, where you're, you have the whole timeline of what people are saying about you, and people there were saying they're praying for me, and I can't tell you how uh, meaningful that was and how appreciated that was, and it 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 really in in the depths of feeling really really sick, and actually wondering for a time there if you're even going to make it, to know that people good people, people of really positive intention and serious belief are praying for your recovery is just remarkable. And I have to say that I feel that it, it had an impact because I started to feel better uh, certainly by Wednesday. And over the weekend, I've uh, because my immunity is down, I've caught some kind of a bug which is causing a cough and I had to take something today to suppress the cough, which I don't normally like to do, but I don't have a cough button on the mic, so it was either that or really irritate the audience for the next hour. Uh, I also, so I wanted to really thank everyone in the audience who included me in their prayers. I, I, I deeply appreciate it. And, uh, if you don't mind, I would like you to continue saying a prayer or two for me because the effort to recover fully is not quite over. I also wanted to return to April 30th, two weeks ago tonight, when at this very point in my appearance, I was mentioning uh, an old friend of mine and also a friend of the program, uh, a listener to the program, so a member of the greater Hagman family, uh, had the previous week been taken seriously ill and hospitalized. And I thought in my uh, being acknowledged of that development that the best thing I could do was to mention it briefly on the Hagman Report and put out the call for distant or intercessory prayer. And an update, on, and, and of course, immediately the, the YouTube chat reflected that. People said they were praying for this person, and I got direct messages in the week afterwards that this was occurring. And I explained at the time that distant intercessory prayer 
works in a really uh, amazing way. And I've actually done some research on this as a journalist 22 years ago and some writing about it at that time, too, because it has been scientifically and medically studied and evaluated. That is the the role or impact of distant or so-called intercessory prayer. And in most of the cases of the studies, the people doing the praying, well, actually in all of the cases, the people doing the praying and the patients in hospital being prayed for are unaware of who's doing what, or even in some cases, the, the prayed patients don't even know that they're being prayed for, so that the study can be conclusive without uh, uh, factors coming in that might be psychological or self-reporting or whatever. Um, so it, it's it's and there's evidence in the scientific literature that it works. Interestingly enough. So anyway, two weeks ago. Uh, a lot of people were praying for my friend and a friend of the program. And I got a report several days later that that day, earlier that day, Monday, April 30th, the patient got out of the hospital and uh, was at home taking a nap, but awakened between 9 and 10 p.m. Eastern time and, as reported to me, felt a great sense of calmness at that very point when the prayer on the part of the Hagman family out there was beginning. So this is not in and of itself proof of anything. It's an anecdotal report. But I think for those of us who uh, have faith and who believe it makes sense, and I've been doing some reading again in the past week about this since my own uh, instance came up unexpectedly, and uh, someone I read online described it pretty well in trying to boil down how this might actually work uh, in in a, in a way that's both uh, compatible with belief and with science, and that is that uh, a person of proper intention and belief prays for a subject who needs the prayer, possibly or probably not even knowing who that person is, as in the case of my anonymous friend, and uh, somehow the connection is made because basically God is making the connection. God is completing the circuit, plugging in the two ends uh, of the cable, so to speak. So that's one way of looking at it that I think uh, makes a lot of sense to me. So I'd like to thank again everyone for praying for me and for my friend. And my friend still needs the prayer as well. So please include that person simply directing it to a friend of Peter's and a friend of the Hagman Report who is still in serious condition and is uh, beginning to embrace a major primary healing alternative therapy. So a prayer for clarity and prayer for going with the proper therapy there. Um, now, if we could get back into the news without too much yeah. of a jump, but I, I briefly wanted to comment on this because before I get into uh, how my own recovery in the past week intersected with the research and, and the writing that I wound up doing. But um, on uh, Friday, I think it was, I uh, uh, tweeted, well, I'd happened actually to tune into InfoWars when for some reason I thought you were going to be on Doug on Friday, and I don't know if I got that wrong because I was no, pretty I got, spaced I got out. Bumped, so. He got bumped. Oh. Yeah, bumped by, uh, <laughs> by Jerome Corsi. Corsi. Yeah, which, right. which was well, fine. I, I know, seriously, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Well, I was kind of out of it that day anyway, but I managed to tune in, 
and I heard Corsi on there, and of course I was taken aback by what he was reporting on Infowars, which is, I guess, why Alex put him to the fore that day. Uh, and of course Corsi was in total defensive mode, defending himself and Alex against uh, what was described as the attack by QAnon on the both of them. And of course we know that uh, Jerome Corsi in recent months has been a great uh, advocate of QAnon and has spent hours a day decrypting QAnon's posts and then going on YouTube, that is Corsi, to explain this to his followers. So all of a sudden everything flipped apparently on Thursday and I was trying to make sense out of that. And so what I simply did was to um, tweet about it and what I said was uh, simply, let's see if I can find this here. Yes. And this so was unfortunate, fr- uh, Peter. I, I didn't mean to jump in there, but, you know, one of the things we've been talking about with this Q movement and, and so many people that, that follow this, uh, you know, basically live and die by these posts. And one thing that they do not tolerate is you're not allowed to question the narrative. When you start questioning things, you are labeled basically a shill. And how they turned on Corsi for asking legitimate questions and, and questioning something he's been very dedicated to for for the last few months is very disheartening to see that kind of attitude in the. Uh, but, but something okay, and, and I just want to say this, and then the floor is yours. Something that Doctor Corsi told me, and, and he pointed me, and I'm not gonna. He he can he can walk anyone through this, but he pointed me to a couple of uh, postings by this whatever this Q phenomenon is. And he said, look at this, this, and this, and then look at this, this, and this. And he said, look at the change, and then that's when he said things have changed. Um, and apparently he took the stand, and I'm not 100% certain on this, but I believe this to be the case with this, what you're going to be talking about. He took the stand that something changed <clears throat> at some point. Um, mm-hmm. So, but again, we've been very cautious in approaching this. Now, on the other hand, I think it's good anytime, anytime that there is a movement that questions the official narrative of history and of current events. I think it's good regardless of, of its origins. That's what that's where I'm at with this. So I think I think it, there's there's more positive than negative with respect to questioning. You know, you question um, the narrative, the current historical or current events and historical uh, uh, things that have happened. So I think it's, I think it's good. If, if, if Hey, I don't care who it is. If, if somebody can cause that to happen, that's a good thing. So, But, but go on, um, now that I knocked you off here. I agree with all of that, Doug and Joe. And Joe, you mentioned the word shill. Keep that in mind for a moment because I'm going to get to that very word. So here's what I said on Friday afternoon. Uh, has the QAnon phenom imploded? Uh, QAnon now attacks Jerome Corsi, and Corsi defends himself, claiming the real, quote, Q has been hijacked by a deep state psyop. I was always a Q skeptic and suspected this day would come, period. Now, I didn't say, you know, I didn't question Q outright. I said I had been skeptical from the outset, which I think is healthy and just reflects what you said, Doug, and if we get to a point where we can't question anything and everything that's being hurled at us, then we're in deeper water than I ever thought. 
And anyway, immediately when I posted that tweet, uh, my Twitter lit up like it had not in many, many months. And I got a bunch of direct attacks. Uh, one person used, in fact, the word shill. Chowka, you're a shill, and <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm no longer going to follow you. And I looked at this person, and actually I think I'd exchanged uh, messages with this person before, so I don't think it was a troll, but I looked at this person, and they had 21 followers, so I was tempted to say, hey, I don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm really going to miss you and your followers. But, uh, you know, this went on. So I then followed up with uh, a tweet saying, uh, to Q supporters, notice I did not say... <laughs> Eric's really on the beam tonight there. Notice I did not say uh, say I agree or disagree with Corsi, only that I was skeptical and suspected this day would come. To be skeptical is not to disbelieve. A little skepticism in the world of AI, algorithms, psyops, fake news, and bots that we now inhabit is healthy. So, amen to that. Now, just as a, a, a coda to that, a follow-up, uh, I noticed that Matthew Bracken had retweeted my first tweet, and uh, he said, Come on, folks, grow up. From the start, Q has been the biggest fake since Clifford Irving or Carlos Castaneda. Somewhere a guy in a basement is laughing his ass off. Now, I don't know Matthew, uh, Matt, personally, but I've always found him to be a, a compelling guest when I've heard or seen him, and uh, he seems like the real deal. So I retweeted him, thanked him, and said, no question that you're a patriot and a scholar in this area. Uh, I appreciate your weighing in. The more discussion of the Q phenom from informed viewpoints, the better, in my humble opinion. So the jury's still out on Q or the Qs, if we were to follow what Dr. Corsi is saying. But, you know, it, it really... Oh, and then also on Friday afternoon, Corsi... Uh, broadcast on YouTube his own hour at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, which I watched very closely, and he did it again today. I was not able to hear it or see it today, but it was very moving on Friday because here's a guy who has devoted the last 15-plus years to making a massive, that is Corsi, a massive positive difference in our understanding of the shadow government and the deep state before these concepts even had a name. In fact, if you had to identify anyone who prevented John F. Carey from becoming president in 2004, it's Jerome Corsi because of his work uh, with the book that uh, took down Carey about uh, the swift boat uh, fakery in Carey's career. So we owe him a tremendous debt of gratitude for his uh, life of work right up to the present. And uh, that doesn't mean that he might not be wrong about Q or Q might not be wrong about him. I honestly don't know. But, to, you know, it's actually scary to me to see this uh, cult-like reaction on the part of the Q supporters and followers to immediately attack anyone who raises the littlest question about what's going on without coming on coming down on one side or another you know right away you're a shill you're a this you're a that i mean i was called actually some scatological names in some of these posts but you know it's it's really uh it's really disturbing but that's basically all i wanted to say about that oh what i i, I 
And thanks for taking that on, Peter. I didn't mean to jump in again, but so many people are, uh, you know, not wanting to step out there and say, "Hey, I don't think this is right." Or it, it seems like uh, there, you know, people are are you have this army, this cult following that is every single post that this guy has. Anybody who even asks the most basic question, uh, you know, to say, "Well, you know, this doesn't sound too right," or there was stuff that Q put out uh, in the first. I don't know, 20 posts he did that Hillary Clinton was going to be indicted, she's going to be in jail, mm. Podesta's plane was grounded, Hillary's been detained, all this stuff that was not true. Nor, not, I mean, not only was it not true, and then posts about, oh, where's Hillary Clinton? They're getting, they're in Gitmo now. The, uh, uh, the public can't know 60% of the truth because it, it's too damning. Uh, you know, trust the plan, trust, trust Jeff Sessions. When anybody would question one of these things, they were ostracized, not by the Q, but by the Q cult following that you know basically would light those questions up on the board and no room for dissent no room for questions that attitude is so dangerous and it's only done to discredit the alternative media and i do agree with the direction of those persons post and the information that they were sharing with the corruption and whatnot but when it gets to a point where it becomes more about the person than the information that's a that's like a number one sign of a disinformation campaign or an infiltration campaign. And that's right. it. When it gets more about the person mm-hmm. than the information, I I am I am for anything that stimulates intellectual discussion. Period. Beyond that, I don't care. Go ahead. Right, and we now have six months of Q uh, experience. Look back on uh, Q emerged last November, picked up speed early in this in the new year, and uh, the recent developments really raise a lot of questions in my opinion. We had many to begin with. We've touched on this before when I've been on briefly uh, and, and I've said that I'm skeptical but I remain to see where the truth lies. Well, I think the balance is tipping a little in one direction for me now and again I would refer anyone to Matt Bracken's uh, tweet on this which I think was very powerful. But I, oh, I didn't want to uh, neglect to mention this. We, we are joined tonight by uh, in the background Lulu Who's resting after the catnip hit? And Biggie uh, peeked a little early on the catnip on this side of the couch, and he departed to a chair in the background. I'm not sure if he's visible. I don't think so. But uh, Lulu will be with us napping probably for the rest of the broadcast. And oh, one thing I really appreciated about my contact with uh, my friends on Twitter and friends of the program is how many of them are animal lovers and sending me pictures of their cats. And uh, I also wanted to mention that I'm I'm personally into cats, but I do not dislike dogs. Uh, I appreciate uh, canines and the people who love them. So if anybody within the sound of my voice is a dog person and wants to communicate and send me a picture of their dog, uh, go for it. And uh, someone uh, yesterday direct messaged me a photograph of their cat, Tonka. And uh, yes, there's Tonka. And um, so I tweeted this out today because the person said that Tonka and I will be watching the Hagman show tonight. So I couldn't resist tweeting that Tonka the cat will be watching the Hagman report tonight, etc. And here's how to watch it. But that is such an amazing portrait of an amazing cat. And, you know, cats are not easy to photograph. I've always photographed my cats, but uh, timing is of the essence, lighting, camera, you know, the whole ball of wax technically, and then the cat has to be ready. 
this cat Tonka was ready and the photographer was ready and it all came together and uh, so I couldn't resist posting that so there's Tonka but uh, moving right along okay so on um, Wednesday of last week from my position here on the couch as I was recovering some of my wits finally uh, I was still getting the news releases and other communications from my friends at Fox News, and one of them sent me a transcript of uh, an interview that uh, Ambassador John Bolton had given the night before uh, on the Laura Ingram show. And this was on Tuesday night, the night of President Trump withdrawing the United States from the flawed Iran nuclear deal that President Hussein Obama had secretly negotiated with John Kerry and the Iranians over a two-year period culminating 2015 when they approved that so-called treaty without going through the constitutional requirement of submitting it to the United States Senate. So there it has sat for the last three years uh, under great criticism of anyone with half a brain and Trump uh, finally made the decision to withdraw. So the first high administration official of a national security nature to comment was newly appointed National Security Advisor John Bolton, who gave an interview with Laura Ingram on um, Tuesday evening on her program, which I happened to see. I was finally able to watch TV by Tuesday evening, so I did see that. I had a transcript in hand the next morning, and it read very, very well. So I tacked an intro onto it and uh, uploaded the article to the Hagman Report, hagmanreport.com, where it still is prominently. And I thought it was interesting for a number of reasons, because uh, Bolton, of course, uh, is disliked by many people, certainly on the left and even on the right, because he's kind of lumped in with the neocons. However, he made the point during the interview with Laura Ingram that whatever he has advocated for in the past, it is now he's now working for the commander-in-chief and that President Trump is setting the policy. And as reports filter out about how Trump actually conducts business in the Oval Office and as president, he does take competing uh, input from competing differing minds about key issues. So he's hearing from Bolton, he's hearing from others, he's hearing from the military, and he makes the decision. But this decision is something that he campaigned on, and he finally followed through. So I thought that was an interesting thing, that I could dip my toe in the water and uh, do a, a, not a major, but a minor article, but something that I felt was worth reading. Now, uh, the next day, I had uh, I, I got really fired up by a story that I had noticed when it first broke on May 2nd. That was Wednesday, May 2nd, the week before, when KUSI-TV in San Diego, that's an independent channel there that does a lot of news, mainly local news and some national news, broke a story about a high school in Chula Vista, California, which is in San Diego County. Chula Vista is a city that's nine miles south of downtown San Diego. And um, it, uh, the high school there had allowed a student to paint a large mural on a, the side of a building at the school that was 
publicly viewable. It was on a, it opened on a public street. And this mural depicted, uh, the spear of an Aztec warrior penetrating the throat of President Trump and decapitating him. I saw that. Yes. There, there it is. Eric's great grip. So what does that remind you of? Of course, last year, almost a year ago at this time, uh, the so-called comedian Kathy Griffin and her stunt of holding the mannequin resembling Donald Trump severed bloody head. Well, here it is again. And uh, initially, uh, when this TV channel did a two-minute report on this on one of their newscasts, uh, the school was caught unawares. They obviously were okay with this because uh, it was up. When the correspondent returned the next day to do a follow-up, uh, the school was in the process of moving a truck in front of it to block it, and uh, they gave kind of a mealy-mouthed explanation. The student who who painted it, who is a radical um, Latino activist or Latina, uh, defended it vociferously, but she would not go on camera. And to this day, we don't know what the status of this thing is, if it's still up, it's been painted over, removed, or whatever. But the story doesn't stop there. On uh, May May 3rd, May 4th, the Daily Caller picked up the story, but basically just regurgitated what KUSA had done, and they linked to KUSI's video. May 6th, Sunday, Monica Showalter, uh, an editor and frequent contributor to American Thinker, significantly advanced the story. She reviewed the basics and then uh, revealed her research on what's this high school all about in Chula Vista, California. Well, it's a charter school, which usually means that it's it's a better-than-average school, right? Well, in this case, it turns out it's a, uh, a playpen or like adult daycare for illegal immigrants because even though it's a high school, uh, the student ages there are 18 to 24 years old. 96 or however many percent are Hispanic. A vast percentage, I mean, into the 80th percentile or more, speak no English. Uh, the vast majority are on a poverty level. You know, she nailed down all of these statistics, and in terms of uh, proficiency uh, of that school, it was in like the single percentile of reading, comprehension, math. I mean, forget it. These are either illiterate or uneducatable students. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, they're being obviously being taught in their na- native language, Spanish. The school is getting millions of dollars a year from the federal government and state government. And Monica found out that the administrators of the school have... Uh, some kind of tie-in with a Latino activist La Raza type group that is uh, the group of Latinos who believe that they are worthy of reconquering the Southwest United States because we stole it from them back in the 1800s. So uh, this all caught my attention actually early on and then as I started recovering because... Going back uh, 32 years, 
actually 33 years, I had a fair amount of uh, experience with Chula Vista, California. For about seven or eight years, it was very convenient to where I was staying, and I visited Chula Vista often. It had the closest to me decent mall, which was only one block from the interstate, Freeway 5. It had really excellent shopping along a boulevard called the Broadway. Uh, it, w- it was like a Midwestern small city transferred to Southern California. It was clean, safe, no gang activity, no graffiti. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was a wonderful environment. Well, this, this story was the icing on the cake because the last time I was in the area and I was driving by on the freeway, and I gazed over at the view of Chula Vista as I was driving by. I saw gang graffiti, uh, fences with razor wire, virtually every home there with barred windows and bars on the doors, which people often keep open to their screen door because it's a very temperate climate uh, right on the water. And, of course, my heart broke as I got a direct insight through the stories of this high school as to what was going on. So I tried to advance the story on uh, Thursday by by reacquainting myself with Chula Vista. Now, in the days that I first knew it, in the mid-80s, its population was about 80,000. And the vast, vast majority were uh, non-Latino Caucasian Americans and before anyone calls me a racist, that is a category that is actually in the United States census. They define residents by, are they Caucasian Latino or Caucasian non-Latino? Well, in the 20 years, the, the last 20 years, of course, the proportion percentage of Latino origin, or Hispanic origin, has gone up one percentage a year. So it's now in the vast majority And this is the most amazing stat I came across. Since 1985, the population of Chula Vista, California, has increased by 500%. And I think we can assume that almost all of that exponential, explosive growth has been due to illegal immigration. There you see it. It's midway between. It's nine miles south of San Diego downtown and nine miles north of the international border. (laughs) So that porous border bleeds people from the south, from Latin America, Mexico, South America, and elsewhere. And where do a lot of them settle? Chula Vista, California, where they are very well taken care of by not only the educational institutions, but by uh, every other social welfare program in existence. And, of course, there you have, in in my immediate memory and view, the clearest example that I can think of in my recent history of demography being destiny. And it's a bad destiny, folks, because that community used to be one of my favorite places, and now it's an S-hole. It's an S-hole, and it doesn't stop there because I have familiarity with places on the East Coast, including in Connecticut, in which you hear Spanish heard more frequently than English when you go to a supermarket, a Walmart, 
a drugstore. So be aware, America, this is what's happening. And it bleeds into our point that it's down to it this November. If you want to have this uh, country being ripped out from under our feet and given over to invading mobs from S-hole countries to turn this country into another S-hole country, then you know how to vote. Vote Democrat. And if you want to try to keep your finger in the dike a little bit longer, vote Republican. They're not perfect folks, but it's the Democrats that have, and the rhinos, of course, but the Democrats that have largely given us this new world. So that's what I did on Thursday. I posted it at, uh, exclusively, exclusively at uh, Hagman Report. And I would love to see that story at Hagman Report trend. So anyone hearing this, seeing this, accessing the podcast, I would really love it if you track that article down at HagmanReport.com. And then go to my Twitter. Well, you can tweet it yourself if you're on Twitter, but if you go to my Twitter, twitter.com slash pchowka, P-C-H-O-W-K-A, and scroll down a bit and you'll see my tweet to that article. If you would please retweet that. Let's see if we can get light a little fire under that because the article by Monica at American Thinker, an excellent article which I linked to, the article at Daily Caller which I linked to, the work at KUSI San Diego, which I linked to, that's all gone away now. It's disappeared in the news cycle. And this story needs to be told. It needs to get out there because uh, if it doesn't make you sick and angry and determined, then uh, there's something wrong with you, I would say. Well, Amen with that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just the culture we live in. Kathy Griffin, I don't know if you saw... A year after putting that picture up of her holding a severed Trump head with blood dripping down like it's just been decapitated, went on The View last week and stated, I take back my apology. Not only am I not sorry, but, you know, I'd do it again. And, you know, this after a year of her meltdowns about how she's been blacklisted and all on and on and on. But this is the culture. This is the the evil, uh, satanic culture and mindset of the left, the people who hate God, the people who hate the people who believe in God, President Trump included, and anybody who supports his agenda. And they are just degenerates. No morals, no nothing, uh, no cares for anybody other than their own agenda. And it's so frustrating when the Republican Party uh, conservative movement is divided along you know, pro- and anti-Trump lines. The left is able to, day in and day out, week after week, month after month, present this unified message and for the the 15% of the population who buy into that message, it appears as though they have the 95% majority because the media and political establishments are on their side, and something's got to change. Well said, Joe. Agree with you 100%. I want to pick up the pace a little as time marches on here. So Saturday, uh, May 12th, I uh, I was curious to see the ratings, the TV ratings, because uh, I was going to write something about Legends and Lies, the 12-part series that Fox News is doing on the Civil War, and I wanted to see how last Sunday's episode did. But when I looked at the uh, site that presents the ratings, TV News or Adweek, I found to my amazement 
that the Monday through Thursday ratings of prime time last week on the cable news channels, that Fox News, every single show on Fox News from 4 p.m. to 12 midnight Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, had won its time slot against MSNBC and CNN by significant margins, not only in total viewers, but in the rare or preferred demographic of viewers aged 25 to 54, which Fox has a harder time with because most Fox viewers are over 65. So MSNBC more often than not wins in that metric, but last week something turned around, and, and, and these were big wins. So I thought, this is a scoop, because nobody else would write about this until maybe starting today, when Friday's ratings would come in, and they could say, well, the full week was run by Fox News, but I thought, there's enough here to predict that the full week will be really won by Fox News. So I sat down to analyzing, writing this, and my analysis was that this uh, this wide win was a reflection of the theory that when there's good news, I mean real good news for President Trump and what he is doing, it's reflected in the ratings at the more Trump-friendly news outlet that is Fox News, which is the closest to being fair and balanced with uh, a conservative-oriented primetime programming, although... Uh, recently and increasingly that prime time is being given over to hardcore leftists who are given it seems like endless time to spout their nonsense and that's another subject which we may have time to cover briefly but so I, I sat down to analyze these ratings and I've got a real scoop here so I put an article together analyzing that I think this is what's happening when Trump is up, Fox is up when uh, Stormy Daniels breaks, when Avenatti is appearing 108 times on the other two channels and all the dirt is flying, then CNN to some extent and MSNBC can ride that to a ratings win. You know, it's like preaching to the converted. But nonetheless, it was very interesting and, and I analyzed this and I also pulled in a few other subjects as well and I submitted it to American Thinker and not to get too deep into the weeds or inside baseball, but I found it a very hard sell to get that article published, which uh, shocked me, number one, and of course really disappointed me, because it was a scoop, and just check the news tomorrow and you'll see the rest of the media reporting the biggest win for Fox News in I don't know how long, it could even be longer than I said, I didn't have time to go back uh, further than the fall of 2017, but it's certainly the biggest ratings win since then. So I, uh, it, it was finally published, but as a blog, it, it could not be published as a feature article. And I went to the mat over this, and uh, I got bloodied in the process. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that for now. But this this shines a light on something that I got into five weeks ago tonight when I uh, broke the story of. Ben Shapiro going to, of all things, Ben Shapiro going to terrestrial radio with his podcast. And I discovered or advanced the obscure story that behind Shapiro were billionaires who had an axe to grind 
fine, right? But they were not being transparent about this, and they allow Shapiro to parade around like he's God's gift to conservatism when uh, he, somebody's paying his way, in my opinion, to say a lot of what he says. And then, of course, I started looking into many other alt-right conservative websites, and it's basically the same story. There's big money behind most of them. We know that's the case with Breitbart. It's no secret there in the Mercer family. But most of them fall into this category. Now, an exception like American Thinker, which doesn't have some uh, uh, sugar daddy behind it, is unfortunately, as as are some of the others too, or most of the others, now wired into the tyranny, <clears throat> the tyranny of clicks and page views. The uh, the ability to measure uh, the impact of, a, of an article as soon as it's published that a, a publisher or editor has access to is mind-boggling. I mean, literally within a minute or two of an article going online, an editor has a, a computer window open on the measurement of every page on that site and begins to adjust or readjust the placement of that article or even if the article stays there based on the clicks it's getting. Now we know that clicks, another dirty little secret, clicks and page views really mean nothing because when you delve into the Alexa stats uh, for any website you look at pretty much the average um, page views for any site are 1.5, which means a lot of viewers or a lot of visitors go to a, a website, click on the homepage, and then they're gone. They don't even click through to anything. Some may click through to one article or one other page, so that gives you an average of 1.5. Of course, there are exceptions. There's some, you know, who will delve more into it, but really not that many. And how many click on an article and don't even finish it? How many are so turned off? by, uh, like for example, one of my articles at American Thinker that runs a thousand words, and you have to wend your way through a dozen or more noxious ads to finish the article. You'll have a short paragraph, an ad, a short paragraph, a video, a short paragraph, a pop-up, and I can't even finish my articles. Every Every browser I use on my computers is, is an ad block browser so I never even see any of these ads but my phone doesn't have an ad block browser and I'm shocked when I try to web browse without an ad blocker because it's becoming uh, an absolute pit now. So this is the nonsense that's going on you know, on the alt-right, the alt-left and everything in between and I pointed out not to knock the alt-right. I realized that you know, publishers web hosts are desperate now advertising is down everybody's being shadow banned and played with by the algorithms and suppressed so I understand these are necessities but it's a bad direction that it's going in you know in the the old days when I wrote for small publications uh, an editor I would submit an article if well it could be commissioned but if it was on spec an editor would read the article and say, well, this is a good article, hopefully, and we think it's worthy of publishing, and we're going to publish it. And it went out in a monthly publication and with the assumption that the audience of that magazine or journal or whatever would appreciate it, would like it, and it would build the publication. Now, 
that's gone. Now the editor might think, well, this article's a piece of crap, but it's going to get the page views, so we're going to put it right to the top. Meanwhile, this other article, which might be a well-written, professionally written, sourced, annotated, hyperlinked article, nah, that's that's not going to be hot in today's news cycle world, so, you know, why should we even publish it? This is what it's down to now, and it's... Uh, it really hurts the serious independent journalist who uh, also is working for nothing, of course, for no pay. So the only pay you get, the only compensation you get, is that it's published and that people read it. And that's becoming more difficult uh, as time goes on now. So I, I just wanted to give the audience a little insight into that. Not to whine. I'm not whining. I'm just pointing out that this is the reality, and it's why a lot of people have have left publishing altogether and have emerged on their own Twitter feeds or websites or podcasts. And uh, they are, the better of those are certainly worthy of our respect and attention. Doesn't, Peter, uh, let me just ask this. Doesn't it seem like the, the process where the 3,000, 4,000 word well-written, well-cited articles have gone to like a thousand words, and and then of course, as you mentioned, just peppered with ads because of of survival of the websites. But beyond that, um, dumbing down to a thousand words, then being pushed to a couple hundred characters on Twitter because the 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 attention span is so uh, polluted, and then they, they they push you over into this environment where. Um, you know, you've got the, the the exposure, and then once you got once you get pushed over there, then they they choke you off through censorship. It it, it seems like it, it's a deliberate course of action. But it's part of the dumbing down, yeah. Doug, and it is. It I I would argue that it is a form of censorship. That dumbing down allows the coarsening, the cheapening, and the 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 de-emphasis on facts on thorough analysis, uh, on real thought pieces. You know, there's a website that started up a few years ago. It's very hot, Axios, A-X-I-O-S. Their claim to fame is most of their articles are 300 words, and and they have big-time people writing there. So I'll check that out, and, you know, it's an art form to cram it into 300 words. But uh, we're losing a lot in that process, as, as we are on Twitter. I just want to quickly uh, do a lightning round here. Uh, John McCain, mm-hmm. I was looking into, you know, th- th- this guy. Uh, um, well, I, I had uh, projectile vomiting last week, but if I didn't, I think uh, I would have it when I pay attention to John McCain because he literally makes me sick. In my opinion, that man is a traitor. You just have to look online. Oh, in fact... In 2016, I think it was, uh, a publication got a hold of, get a load of this. In 1969, the great hero John McCain did a propaganda broadcast from Radio Hanoi, knocking the USA, knocking the war criminals like him who bombed innocent civilians in North Vietnam in his own voice. I mean, this is what Jane Fonda did three years later, and she's never been forgiven. You know, Hanoi Jane. How, how in God's name did, did McCain ever cover that up until two years ago? There's a transcript of it online, and the audio is it online. 
He probably should have been uh, caught up more deeply in the Keating Five scandal, the SNL scandal, 30 years ago. Somehow he escaped that. He dumped his first wife when he got back from uh, being a POW, and she had been injured and disfigured in an automobile accident, so he dumped her and went with the millionaire heiress, Cindy, whatever her maiden name was, and her father, her wealthy father, helped him uh, get a, a political career. And he's been the so-called maverick and the Democrats and the media's favorite Republican ever since. And look how he's going out now in a last blast. And, and it's really sad and it's really sickening. And I've seen people saying we need to pray for him, that he finds uh, God and belief at his end point because he needs to repent, in my opinion. By the way, so does Harry Reid, of course, and you may have heard that a former Senator Harry Reid earlier today was operated on at uh, Johns Hopkins in yeah. Baltimore for pancreatic cancer. Now, they say they got it early, and uh, that would be necessary because uh, the conventional medical establishment is not successful at treating pancreatic cancer unless they get it very, very early. And that that's the specialty that my late friend, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez had in treating advanced pancreatic cancer with natural dietary therapies, and he got the patients who failed the conventional therapy. So I guess we can say a prayer for Senator Harry Reid as well. Uh, today, Peter, uh, the, yes. uh, catching it earlier gives you, you know, I think it was like a five times better chance of, of beating it uh, if you catch it at a certain point. My One of my uncles had prostate cancer and he's out of shape never it's you know, pancreatic cancer pancreatic cancer what did i say prostate, prostate cancer yeah. oh okay but no uh, well that's good that the uh, they detected well it's it always better to, it's always better to catch it early no matter what kind but with pancreatic it's if if you catch it even 3 6 months after it's visible on a scan uh, I'm sorry to say you're probably a goner. I, I hate to say oh, that. And there's okay. always exceptions. But a final quick thing today, a big article in USA Today, I think it was, on how Sean Hannity uh, is exposed now as uh, being a nightly phone telephone confidant of President Trump. This is the latest thing they're trying to hurl at both of them, uh, that this, quote, idiot, unquote, Sean Hannity is uh, uh, an outside key advisor to President Trump, and they uh, ran a, a slideshow of photographs, and I don't know if you have the last one I sent Eric uh, queued up there, but it, an interesting photo of Sean Hannity emerged, which I'd seen earlier, but it's also in this uh, slideshow, which shows uh, Sean uh, on April 12th this year partying with an unlikely group, Don mm. Lemon, Gail King, and uh, Michael, Michael Avenatti. Yep. Yeah, saw that. Yeah, and uh, I didn't ask Sean about that. but No, actually, I did ask Sean about that, right. And he said, I don't think it was off the record, he said, oh, I was just there 15 minutes. Well, it's <laughs> a media celebrate. It's self-celebrating yeah. media event, so I have right. no problem Hollywood you know, getting Hollywood order pictures. most uh, influential. There it is. <laughs> they're 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 all in the same boat. You, you as know, far as network uh, uh, and cable TV anchors. I can see him. You have pictures loose. of me in, in 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 something like that. Okay, I mean, no, yeah, that crowd. Well, I, but, yeah, I, I just yeah. pointed out in passing is kind of fun, but <sighs> uh, lots to talk about. So little time, 
And uh, yeah, we're out of time. Peter. Well, you, you never, you, you never cease to fail. I mean, uh, fail to please either. You know, Peter. Thank you. And, and, and we'll be praying for you to get yeah. continue to improve with your health. And thanks, guys, and thanks everybody. Well, you take care of the cats. The cats will take care of you. <laughs> um, God bless you, my friend. You know, really for everything you God do. God bless you guys. All right. God bless you too, Peter. That'll do it for us today. We had a great show. Kate Daly was our guest. We also had Rob Pugh. He uh, came on to talk about a number of things. Go back and listen to that because there's stuff you can do as listeners if you want to get involved in some street ministry with Coach Dave and, and them in Ohio in June uh, 14th through 17th. So and, check and, that out. And, and if you're if you're on Twitter.